This week's show is brought to you by Miracle Made. Alright, now you guys, Brad and Alex, you know I like a lot of things, but I'm going to reveal a little bit about myself here. I really like sleeping. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm like, it's, oh, yeah. A, it's in my top three. Of it's a great I thing enjoy. to do. Wait, hang on. Eating, sleeping, and? Sleeping. Again. Okay. It's, All right. it's it's mostly sleeping, then eating, then sleeping Got again. Got it, yes. Got sleep, it. get up, eat, then you get back to sleep. <laughs> yeah. If I could eat while I'm sleeping, I would probably do that, too. Sleep, eat, sleep, repeat. Got it. Yes. And luckily for me, Miracle Made has sheets just for me. Because did you know that traditional bed sheets can harbor more bacteria than a toilet seat? And I'll tell you what I don't like, sleeping on a damn toilet seat. I would rather sleep in some nice sheets. I don't know, man. Have you tried it? Unfortunately, yes. And it's not my style. I won't ask you to elaborate. (laughs) Inspired by those punks at NASA, Miracle Made uses silver-infused fabrics and makes temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. It has self-cooling properties. The sheets that are infused with this silver prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets, and no more gross odors. Only the best odors in my sheets. You can go to trymiracle.com slash nextlander to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo nextlander at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to miracle.com slash nextlander and use the code nextlander to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash nextlander to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Next Lander Podcast. I'm laughing because a car just beeped right when I was about to start talking. It is welcome to it another big honking Wednesday over here. <laughs> uh, hi, Brad. Hi, Alex. Hi, Vinny. Honk. Oh, there we go. Another honk. That's how I'm. That's how I'm inaugurating my new microphone on this podcast for the first time. Uh-huh. Honk. More like uh, Brad Goosemaker. Okay. Okay. Meh. Oh boy. Oh boy. Uh, you're listening to the Giants. What? <laughs> you're listening to the Giant Next Lander cast. Man, I, my brain just went into podcast mode. You're listening to the Next Lander podcast. It is Thursday, March 3rd or March 2nd. Man, you do this enough times. You just mm-hmm. sometimes, uh, sometimes eventually all the podcasts just kind of blend together. Sometimes that cruise control button just gets hit, right? Yeah, it's brain on autopilot. Hey, I, I may have been clipping there at the beginning, but why don't we just Ooh. roll with it? Yeah, you got low, you got a little lower there. I, I yeah. wonder if people will notice that. Um, it is episode thirty-nine, I believe. We got a show. We got games to talk about uh, Dude, this so week. Many games. We're uh, we're gonna talk about uh, stuff we've been playing, including Horizon and Elden Ring. 
and jump in a little bit uh, after that with some thoughts on Far Changing Tides and Shadow Warrior 3. So uh, stick around for the game stuff, and then we've got a bunch of news coming up. First, a little segment I like to call The Banter. Uh-huh. <laughs> the, the Banter. Uh, the the Banter. That's my favorite part of the Horizon Forbidden West map. The Banter. The, the, yeah. mm-hmm. the Dawn. I, I, I just opened up The Banter. Yeah. Is that where all down, the good head, missions are? Heading down into the valley there. Yeah, I shouldn't do the side missions in The Banter. Just okay. skip those. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I, so I recently came into possession of a CRT television. What? Uh, by way of my mother-in-law. Yes. Hang on. Hang on. I'm going to test, test my, my waveform here again. Okay. What? Uh-huh. There you go. Okay. okay very looks, good. That looks pretty good. All right. Continue. Okay. Very good. Um, and now it's one of those things that like, I don't really have room for necessarily, but I know I should probably make room for in terms of hooking up some old consoles or shucking that CRT and putting it what? into like an arcade cabinet. Dude, first of all, clutch every CRT dearly to your breasts at this mm-hmm. point. Never let a CRT go again because uh, there aren't, there aren't going to be any more. I know. And, it's, and nobody's making bespoke CRTs at this no. point, like where you can pay like $1,500 and get a CRT. No, absolutely. Absolutely not. Like, I, I don't know exactly what the manufacturing process is for those things, but I have to imagine it is industrial enough that nobody can, can do that in a boutique fashion, let alone wants to. I'm blowing my own cathode ray tube. I'm blow your own cathode ray tube. I'm mm-hmm. blowing. I'm, I'm blowing my own tubes and. Uh, hey, I'm uh, blowing my tubes over here. There, there are a lot of hazardous materials in those things, as I understand. Yeah, better. They don't get ba- less hazardous as time goes on. And better in my basement, uh, being around the rest of the hazardous materials than a landfill. You know what I'm saying? Just, mm-hmm. just never, never blow one up. I guess is what I'm saying. Again, never, never, never have your childhood 13 inch Emerson. Finally, bite the bullet, buy the farm, yes. and then take it out in the woods and give it the Viking funeral with a shotgun. Don't don't do that. Don't do don't do that. Don't. No, I, it's, okay. Not speaking for imagine if one would. It would probably yeah. be really enjoyable and hilarious. But don't do that. Yeah. No. So all right. So size, make, model. What are we talking? What do we got here? here? Oh, I don't know. It's Panasonic. It's okay. um. It's uh, probably 20, what's a TV size? 26 inch? 27, 26, 26, 27 were common CRT sizes, yeah. Yeah, probably like around there. That's a Um, a good medium in between. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, and uh, yeah, it's so far still sitting in the kitchen. Um, Have you verified its functionality? It was it was in use. Okay. It was in it was okay. in use, and then it got replaced recently with a uh, you know like a flat screen, uh, a bigger a bigger better TV. Uh, and so I believe it works. I don't know. I haven't tried it out yet. What uh, kind of what kind of inputs? Perhaps uh, is the actual important yeah. question. So I'm like, pretty does sure it do S video, or does it even like <laughs> predate that? Well, no, I think it's composite S video, but not component. So okay. I don't think that this is okay. not widescreen. This is four by three. This is like you know uh, pretty. I think this is your pretty standard CRT. This television. is the kind of thing you're lugging to a convention to play old Smash Brothers on. Possibly, yeah, possibly. S video is not bad. That was yeah. Previously was the the desirable input before component and SCART and stuff like that. So the, it got me thinking. Then was like, well, initially I was like, oh, oh, if you're getting rid of it, like I'll take it because you know I've got all these old consoles here and like you know, uh, yeah. yeah you guys get it. People listening to this get it. There is just something about the soft rendering on a CRT that mm-hmm. is just 
It's the screen those games were made for. It's, it's the, just the it's processing the, and stuff just doesn't make up for it sometimes. It's that, it's that phosphor glue. Yeah. Yes. Is it is it worth having a CRT to emulate that once in a while? I don't know. But if somebody is going to get rid of one, um, and now that I have a basement, it should be in there. If so, you're going to put it in a landfill, it might as well be the one you own. That's there, right. There, there is like actually in a like kind of an amazing amount of work now in the mystery community going into replicating the look of CRTs with mm. different filters and processing and stuff like that. Like it's getting better and better, but it's still not the real thing. Yeah, it's like I've like, got that retro tank, which you know lets me play all those old consoles in a way that sort of looks like it can sort of look like the way it was, but in reality, what it's doing is it's just putting out an image that looks tolerable on an HDTV. It's not the same thing. Do you guys uh, do you guys follow that? Uh, let me make sure I know the name of the account. CRT Pixels, I think is. Nope. Yes. Yes. CRT Pixels on Twitter nope. is an account that exists literally to do nothing but tweet photos of raw ass pixels from emulators and then the equivalent frame uh, on an actual CRT like photo from a CRT. So you can see how like, it's supposed to actually blend to to the point to the point that like they are very specific. Like like here is a here is a shot of the Guardian Legend for NES. Sharp pixels on the left, on the right, NES RF via a Sony KV-13M51. And they're taking a photo like, off the screen? And yes, and these are That's these are photos right. off the screen. And like, okay, I admit there is a bit of an aspect of zealotry around this issue. Like, yeah. some people go As pretty hard on this stuff. Like, I understand, but at the same time, they have a point. Like, mm-hmm. it's impossible for me to look at these shots side by side and not say, like, yes, there is value in being able to play these old games on the type of screen they were authored to be displayed on and not not to not to kind of keep down this like well vinyl sounds warmer than digital but like there's a latency thing like that's real these guys a lot of these games were designed with the latency that a a crt provided and not the digital processing that something like an hdmi uh handshake or a a, a interface would provide so right uh there that is a thing it exists yeah it's not just made up yeah, for for me it is the it is the natural blending you get, like we said. Yeah. Like that, that glow, that kind of blur, you get a natural like color blending on pixels and like the shading and stuff on a lot of these sprites were was done with that expectation, right? So yep. like designed for it. You can absolutely make modern pixel art that looks good on an L C D. It's just that this pixel art was not made for that because L C Ds were not in use then. So it got me um it's so it's sitting in the kitchen and I'm like, what am I gonna do with this thing? Um do I go get the analog board for that mister like do i oh do you not have one already i don't think i do oh, the header the analog header i don't yeah. think i have it um what's kept you from getting it i don't never i don't have a reason i'd why would i, yeah. I don't have a crt mm. well, yes. now i do like, well now you do it became at some point that analog board became part of the kind of standard kit Mm. it's because a lot of bundles of the mister get sold these days and, and okay. a lot of and most sellers would just include the io board in there as part of that bundle even though a lot of people don't actually need it Okay. Uh, so, also, uh, you don't even need that board if you just want to do. I thought you had an analog board, and that this whole thing was moot. I don't think you so. actually. You actually don't have to get the analog board to get analog out. You can actually get it out of the HDMI port with a like ten dollar HDMI to VGA adapter. Oh, weird. Yes, it just carries HDMI the- <laughs> to VGA. Just yeah. put those. Just just put just roll that around it's, in the noggin for a like second. A, there, it's like a ten dollar adapter on Amazon, and you got to change one line in the config file, and you're good to go. Huh? And it'll push out analog over certain pins on that HDMI port. Yeah. Oh wow, that's weird. Okay. Apparently works extremely well. well okay, much, that's good. If to you know. just want to give it a shot, that is a much cheaper, easier way to. Yeah, yeah. Not to also not to turn this into Mister Chat, but there are. 
the PlayStation and Saturn cores currently are able to make use of two RAM modules. Oh, okay. Uh, and in fact, may require them for certain things. Okay. And so, so that you will not. So you will not be able to use the analog. Right. Yeah, you can't use the analog I/O board and a second RAM at the same time. Uh, so yeah, maybe I'll try that. So then the VGA, VGA to composite adapter at the other end of that. Yeah, you'd have to do something. That's like some that. kind of yeah. pinout to map those. Okay. Yeah. All right. There's a little journey ahead. So yeah, it was that. And then like, or, you know, then there's the mister get hooked up into a big old composite. I, I used to own one of these. I've since thrown it away. Uh, like most things, I'm sure you guys had these too. Uh, like a composite switcher, you know, like a yes. input switcher. That, yes. Uh, I like had one of those. Plug all your things into, uh, then I get one of those and then hook up all the consoles and just kind of have them hooked up and then never turn them on because I just p- could play them on the mister. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I have them here and then those carts, you know, those like billion and one carts, which are kind of fairly expensive. Like or, uh, if they're still making them, I don't know if they still do those like, um, kind of bootleggy flash, flash carts. What are they called? Like the, uh, Oh, you're talking an actual flash card. Yeah. 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 The ones that you drop I thought, in. I thought you meant those like gray market 101 out of the Pacific Rim no, from no, back no. in the nineties. No, of. like an SNES thing with the flash card. Reader oh, sure. It. Yeah. You there's like the SD two SNES and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. They're like not cheap. Um, no, no, they absolutely are not. And, uh, like, is that one of like, I'm not a retro enthusiast in that way. I just happen to live through it. So I have a bunch of stuff. You know what I mean? Like you have the nostalgia. You just don't necessarily have the obsession. I, well, I've got like a collector bug in me. So like mm-hmm. I have stuff and I try to keep it and display it nicely and so what does this look like in that display for me do i you know what what happens there so i don't know it's a whole a whole new world there that i will never play or like i said do i just take the thing out of its shell see if i can mount it into an arcade cabinet Hmm. and uh or or just build a frame around it not the worst idea yeah like maybe just like dremel away some of the front bezel and then kind of just mount maybe keep the (laughs) Keep the exposed stuff uh, in the plastic and uh, and put it in an arcade cabinet. Do you, do you think you could woodwork your own arcade cabinet from scratch? Definitely. Yeah, and I don't say that's some pri- I don't say that as some pride thing. I, I th- they're just not that complicated. Okay. Um, okay. How would you would you like put the CRT in some kind of harness or something? Yeah. So it'd sit on a platform. Is how okay. I would put it. Well, um, it, you know, it, because I don't think it's going to have the mounting hardware to mount to the front, but it it would probably sit on a platform. Right. Because those things right. have to like tilt back a little bit. For yeah. The, the, the true arcade experience. You can't just um, rely on gravity there. What so would your the, layout be? Oh boy, I, I've made arcade controllers, and mine are uh, basically. Um, Three and three with the one yeah. uh, off to the side button. Oh, th- you mean the run button? Uh, I, really? I I consider it the Neo Geo button, like that that kind of angled down uh, mm-hmm. three with the one on the oh. left side there. Yeah, if you put yeah. it in the right place. Oh, that's wild. Then you yeah. get Capcom six button fighters, Mortal yes. Kombat, and Neo Geo all yeah. in so, kind of. So that's wow. how I design mine. Um, that's that's cool. how I design my arcade stick I have currently. Uh, that's that's my because I like. I like those fighters. I mean, if I'm playing with an arcade stick, I like those Neo Geo fighters, and I like yeah. Street Fighter Two. Oh That's, yes, the Neo Geo is a is a crucial platform. If yeah, you, if so, you're doing an arcade cabinet, you gotta get some Neo Geo in there. Yeah, uh, so that that would probably be my default layout. But then you get into like, well, do you want a trackball on there, or do you want any kind of spinner or something? Like, hmm. do you want a four way joystick, like a four way gate on your stick, or do you need the eight way? Like, are you okay. doing Pac Man? How about this idea? 
modular controls in the cabinet. That's right. So Ooh. do you make do you make multiple controllers that you can swap in and out? Like oh, I've seen those designs too. It's uh, I don't know. I don't know. Do you make a thing where you can put, do you put a four person on there, like a four banger, so four people can crowd around it? Or like, hmm. you know, that might be a bridge too far. <laughs> yeah, that's a big cabinet. Uh, the other thing I was mean, like, do you build point, it? Yeah. At that point, do you then go source a second CRT so you can do the proper X Men CPS two beat 'em up? With no. the two screens side by side. No. Or do you have one that turns vertical? Mm. No. That's mm. too much. Mm. Do you have one that hooks up the afterburner motorcycle to it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. The, uh, or, uh, uh, wait, the, the, the MotoGP? No, there was another one. What, what am I thinking of? Uh, I, I must be thinking of MotoGP. Uh, I would build the whole mo- the afterburner uh, slidey cabinet that was the thing. stick, right? Like that was the the yeah. The but the whole stick. thing would move. Yeah, and yeah, like yeah. The big warnings that say "Do not hang on the side of this thing," where all your friends hung on the side of that thing. Do you build your own it. holographic projector so you can play time traveler proper properly? I wonder how much those machines are for anybody who gives a damn. Those you, things kind of suck. Do you do you build your own anti gravity full size gyro thing so you can do the Sega R three sixty? Are we yes. just going to build a Scandia in your backyard? No, definitely okay. not. I have seen where this path and when I was when I was in California buying arcade machines, I saw the dark path mm-hmm. of where this goes. Like, yeah, ship- it, it all lives at California Extreme and the people who go there all the time. California Extreme is like the nicely done uh uh um kind of front vestibule of mm-hmm. The, the CD underbelly. It is like, oh, no, no, no. Don't come in the rest of the house. You stay in this room. And then, like, you go and visit the people, not everybody, but some of the people that go to California Arcade. And then they have the yard with a shipping container with, like, broken, you know, 50% of their things are parted. So it's just yeah, broken, you know. Right. And just like, a, there's just a hollow cabinet up on concrete blocks in the front yard. It's really, like, literally that, That's- because to get the one good cabinet, you had to part five other cabinets you took the side art from this one you took the control panel from this one unless you're getting repro stuff but like you said like these crts are are not working they're most of them are broken and they're not getting recapped they're busted so it's just broken crts and like that's the side i saw that was like oh if you get too deep in this you're like it's it's something is that are you essentially describing the arcade cabinet of theseus at this point yes it's, it's, it's my father's my father's are your father's grand, grandfather's mm-hmm. golden axe my grandfather's golden axe please uh-huh. um yes it is uh yeah it is it is wild and like i don't really care about repro stuff like yeah, like reproduction art is fine for me for the most part I, I don't need a now getting that uh new stock that uh new old stock that's the stuff where like somebody is like you know, we were close. Somebody just bought this warehouse, and there's like 25 Robotron cocktail machines still in crates in it. Like, so I I just came across the phrase "new old stock" looking at an item last night. Ah, uh, new old stock. Looking best. at looking at um looking at uh, inline preamps for this new mic I got. Okay. And they had a variant. I was looking at the Triton Fedhead for people who were interested, and there was a variant that was like ten dollars more. <laughs> That said, it had some kind of germanium part in it that was new Ooh. old stock. Does that mean germanium. they literally like? Does that mean they literally found like a warehouse f- full of old parts that have never been used? Is that what they're essentially saying you, there? Usually, in my experience, new old stock is like, yeah, there was like this thing has never been opened. Like it's a, it's a, there was a warehouse somewhere or a storage locker someone yeah. found, and there it was. Yeah, there it is. I'm I like, have to, I have to look that up now. I need to know what that was because you'll probably 
germanium is germanium like a conflict mineral at this point or something i don't know i thought germanium i didn't know germanium was on the outs uh oh gosh i have to find it germanium's like uh, i think one of the radio tuners you can like the crystals for radio tuning but i I could be wrong there i'm gonna have Uh, to find that it's a cool name for something yeah i like germanium that sounds like something like you know it just sounds like geraniums to me (laughs) yeah geraniums Mm -hmm. preamp with germanium harmonics Ooh. This says. Yeah, it must be a resonator thing. I mean, it is in radios as well. Fethead Germanium realizes tried true FET technology combined with a hand selected new old stock Germanium transistor. Okay. (laughs) To deliver deliver 29 decibels of Germanium flavored boost. (laughs) That was like Ecto Cooler had that written on it too. this This is some audiophile shit, isn't it? That was more or less the flavor that came to mind when you said that as well. So ecto cooler, yeah. yes, yeah. like something it like tastes like green. <laughs> all right. Oh, oh, okay. Well, all right. We should probably talk about video games, but never mind. They have a section. They have a section entitled "Germanium Flavor" here, where now I, th- I think I see where they're coming from. I'm gross. Germanium we're, transistors uh, were widely used in earliest transistor designs by Telefunken and Fairchild, among others. Oh, the Fairchild and, transistor. And Telefunken and Fairchild. And, and have developed a reputation for a decidedly vintage mojo that remains Great. sought after today. Okay. You, you uh, always want to trust in something that is described as mojo. I, there was um. So wait, are, guys, these, are, are these transistors like 90 years old or something? I, I mean, maybe. They're no. definitely not new. They say it right there. It's old, a new old stock. Mm-hmm. I mean, Fairchild, I think, is still around making the transistors, uh, P and P's and NPMs. You look up a Fairchild, and I mean they're they're like, you know, they're pretty old school. Been around for a while. Uh, the, remember that? Um, remember that sweetener we had? I forget what it was. The Arion, uh, the A R I A N N E. It was a um, a piece of rack gear that we had in a bunch of the podcast studios that. Basically took the final mix mix down and did magic on it, and then was like sweeten it up. Literally, their manual would call the thing it did mojo. Like, okay, like what is it doing here? You know, does mojo? It's like is it normalizing it? What what actual processing are you doing on it? Mojo, and it was like in their technical specs of like, okay, you're not actually going to say what you do here. Great. I greatly appreciate, Vinny, that you think that I have any idea what any of that rack gear did at any given time. And I appreciate that you were giving me that benefit of the doubt, but to me, it is absolutely indistinguishable from Mojo. So okay, well, it was yeah. Listen, it did the Mojo. I mean, it I believe did, you did make things sound okay. It did normalize yes, most of the things. everything. Parts. Sounded great, and I assume yeah. that that like you know, like spells were cast in order to mm-hmm. make that happen. Uh, all right. Should we get into the games? I mean. The games. If you the want. G- the games. Hey, listen. You want more of that fine, fine germanium flavor of uh, <laughs> rambling. Mm-hmm. We do have a ramble cast where yes. we pretty it much tastes like green. spend you want, an hour doing that. <laughs> you want you want that vintage mojo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've got we have found a batch of new old stock rambling podcasts. That's right. We literally <laughs> are new old stock guys. <laughs> oh, there's nothing new about me. No, I mean, it's look, it's yeah. new in that we have only been around for a year, but let's be <laughs> okay. real. We are old stock. Um, yeah, you can go check out the Ramble cast over on the uh, on the Patreon side. But uh, let's get into some games because we do have quite a number of them this week. We're going to go back. Well, come on. It's only been a week, right? We're not going yeah. that far back. No. Um, let's kick it off. We're going to start with Horizon Forbidden West. Uh, 
generally a new game. We're going to try and avoid certain spoiler things, but I think towards the end, we might get a little bit deeper into spoiler stuff, and I'll, we'll call it out, and I'll mark it yes. in, the, in the show notes when we get to that stuff. Um, so let's we will see not we, we will not heavily rehash the things that we discussed last week if you skip that discussion. So yeah, so yeah, we'll, uh, we'll touch on it a little bit, but yeah, yeah. A, li- a little bit, but uh, hopefully a little bit more in detail towards the back half. I'll say this: Horizon Forbidden West. I think I'm about forty plus hours in now. Jeez, um, okay. I've heard that it, game quoted at around sixty if you do most of everything. So. That's, that's terrifying to me because it sounds like I am like kind of at the same point in the overall story as you, and I'm like. Mm-hmm. 20 hours in so there's a lot I've, of stuff in that game there is yeah i've been soaking up um i'm still looking for the the gear that i will make that i will use for the rest of the game you know like usually oh, in like, some of these like, the definitive gear you mean, yeah, you mean like, like you mean like the colored loot like the the outfits and yeah exactly bows and like stuff the thing you just want to upgrade and not have to worry about replacing it's anymore like, the, I'm, I'm i'm still mostly wearing greens just starting to get blues basically yeah i'm looking for the story gear you know like right. the one you get from a mission that's like oh okay this is like the this is the bow that i will have equipped I'm, I don't think this time. is that game. I think that they generate so much loot in this game that you're constantly going to be juggling like l- quite literally eight different bows at all times. I don't. I, so my, I, I was don't talk- like that. I was talking to my little brother when we were playing some Deep Rock. Deep Rock continues to mm-hmm. be great. Uh, and he said he looked it up and he said there's a piece of armor that he he got up to the story part that you're up to, Brad, because only because you can get it after that point. Okay. So. So he is fast tracking that armor. Huh. And I was like, ah, don't don't tell me anymore. Like I kind of want to. And then is, I was like, should it, I look it up? Is it is it like the shield weaver from the first game? Like the literal post game? Like this thing makes you basically invincible armor? Or he said when he looked it up, they said it was the best armor in the game. Okay, so, huh? Uh, that's interesting. That's like what she's wearing at the beginning of this game. Except there's that throwaway <laughs> line of dialogue of like, I ran into some trouble and lost most of my equipment. <laughs> like I guess the battery yeah. fell out of that armor or something. Yeah. Um, so. So speaking of just a bunch of stuff in that game, as I've and like the weapon overload, and I've gotten quite a bit more in the weapon stuff. It's almost too much. I don't know how much upgrading you've done, but I have too much. It's like a lot, and especially when you're like, well, okay, here's what I do now. And if people have played that, I know people are probably finished at the at this point. I'd love to find out. Right now, when I go in, I when I started, I was like, oh, okay, I'm gonna. I would like to upgrade this bag. I will track this as a job. Now I track everything as a job, no matter what it is. As soon as I hit a, a, a thing that's like, oh, new armor, all my bag upgrades track 47 jobs because they just show up on your map. And yeah. as you're running across the country, they're just like, oh, there's a raccoon. I need that. Great. I'll get that raccoon. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, there's a finch. I guess I need that, that finch's that sounds, bone. I am totally going to start doing that. That sounds extremely useful. Totally. Like, don't. If if you're listening and you haven't done that, just do it because they just show up as little diamonds on your map. And like, as you're making your way across the vastness of the West, you will stumble across 8,000 foxes and stuff. And like, if you don't know if you need it, don't kill it. So I I had been creating jobs for stuff that I knew I wanted. It's like, oh, I've almost got the last upgrade on this blue bow. I'm going to flag that as a job. What I had Mm -hmm. not done is what you're talking about of literally just making a job out of every upgrade for every item. (laughs) Cause like, why not? Why wouldn't you? In fact, I almost almost wish there was just a toggle in there for that. Now that you mention it, because like, yeah, like as you cover the map, your menu, it's totally fine. Right. Like as you cover the map, it's just like, oh, that, oh, that animal, that place, that, that claw strider spawn point is flagged. I guess I should, 
go get a part there because apparently I need that. Like, I yeah. do give these kinds of games a lot of shit for map barf and just, like, having too many icons on everything. But for something like this, where it is, like, you have a million of these things and you need to find some way to keep track of what you're supposed to be looking for, like, that actually sounds like a pretty worthwhile thing to it's, have. Yeah. Can you, can Absolutely you, useful, especially on the bag upgrades, which are all animal parts. Like, you will, I could, there's, I mean, this game just has too much. There's, like, 12 bag, up, uh, like, capacity yeah. upgrades. And, mm -hmm. like, I don't remember that I need a sparrow's jaw to, like, you know, upgrade this thing unless I went to a vendor and checked it again. But when I'm in the field and it's like, oh, what is this diamond? Oh, I need a scorpion. Like, okay. Mm -hmm. I, I, okay, got it. Done. And it just shows up on the thing. Like, once you get it, like, check. You did it. Like, great. Fantastic. It is checklist taken to an extreme. It really is. Yes. Uh, can and, you can you just yeah. say create jobs for every tier of a parade on this item, or do you have to do it? Do you have to manually make a job for each tier? I think I had to manually make yeah, it. Well, because you can't. I don't think you can even mouse over the tier. Yeah. Or, okay. or or select the tier until you unlock the previous one. But that's that's annoying. Like there there are some there's some streamlining in the UI because this game is so goddamn like loot dense that they yeah. should have done. Like I can't believe there is not a just like single button for sell all valuables. Yes. Like, like you have like to go in there junk. and manu manually mark every valuable. The, the only purpose of which is to sell. Right. Like you still have to manually go through and mark all of those to sell. Like there's and just some is, stuff like that. That, that is not done. like a uniquely horizon problem. A lot of open world games just seem to have not quite figured out that kind of UI. And I, I'm perpetually perplexed by it. Yeah. I think the, the moment the loot stuff broke for me is when I realized that I, I could be wrong, but it seems like they are kind of generating bows. Or I mean, oh, they, they may all be fixed, but they are they are they are still generated from a template, which is to say mm. that's like oh hunter what is it, warrior the, the warrior bows are the short range ones that look yeah. almost like crossbows. The hunter bows are the mid range ones. I forget yeah. what the long range ones are called, but then you Something. find the you know the variants of those like oh this warrior bow can shoot shock, this hunter bow yeah. can shoot ice, yeah. mix and match eighteen different bows. So you I have think every been range. Around, yeah, I just it feels worse in this game. I don't I don't remember it being quite so busy in the first one. There was um. There was one I got though that I was I was under that same assumption too. I forget what it's called the the sniper bow that zooms in a lot it's when like, you're like long something long shot well, yeah. or something. I forget. But then on the description of it is like this is great for medium range. And I was like, wait, what? Like why? Oh. Is it was and it was a store. It was a quest bow. Interesting. And I got it. And I was okay. like, no man, this this bow is. I and I honestly think it might be a typo. Like uh, this bow is great for long range. Like huh. it is fantastic for long range. And it's, and I'll say this, I know some people and I saw them in the discord asking and I hit the part cause I didn't know either. You do get tear arrows. So like it was something I missed from the, fir the, the first game, which was where are the tear arrows that just knocked the parts off the, the thing immediately. And I finally got one that was like a bow that was like, Oh, here's a tear arrow that does like 150 tear damage. And it's like, right. Great. Cause that's, at some point, that's just what you're doing, right? You're just running up to the animal that you're like, shoot its tail off, run mm -hmm. up, get the tail, and I'm out of here. I don't need to kill you. I just needed your razor tail. That's it. I'm uh, I'm sure at the time they were designing these loot systems, like they had locked a lot of this stuff in, you know, at, at, to a point where like they could not really shift it. But I will say one thing I did appreciate in the Assassin's Creed current trilogy is that by the time they got to Valhalla, a game which I did not love, but there's one thing I think they did, they scaled back the loot so much from where Odyssey was. And the number of weapons you were picking up, the val like what they did, the differentiation between them and that stuff was so scaled back from the just dump of mm. weapons and gear that they gave you in Odyssey. I really appreciated that because it made picking stuff up and finding it and deciding whether I was going to use it a much more worthwhile decision. Like, I'm sitting there thinking, about like, okay, do I want to build around this? Is this going to work with my character? 
And it wasn't just like, I have 17 axes. What the fuck am I going to do with all of these? And that's kind of how I feel sometimes in Horizon. Is just like, I have so many bows. I have so many traps. I have so many things. I don't know what I should be building around other than I just don't feel like messing with this weapon wheel right now. So I'm just going to roll with this because it's what I have. Yeah, I've, I've been sticking with just shooting at arrows at things until I get the part or kill it. Like, I mm. don't think I've used the Tripcaster at all yet. I've barely used that bomb lobber. There's, like, like 80% of the uh, offensive options I have just not engaged with. Yeah. I, I'll use them for the trials. Like, uh, unless, like, if a trial is specifically doing it, I will I will absolutely go in there and do it. But I, um, uh, they, there's, like, too, too many elemental things. Like, like okay, fire, acid, plasma. Uh, What's the water one called? The um. Well, there's the uh, ice chill, one, but... chill water, purge water, purge water, purge water chill yes. water. No, and there's ice. Yeah, uh, and it's like there's two. There's like two too many to not have one of each type up all the time. Mm-hmm. And that to me, for a game where you're constantly running around this open world and not not on a track to do a like, if you're on a narrative track to do a specific mission, then you'd know what you'd have equipped for the next hour. Mm-hmm. But here you're bouncing around. And it's like, Oh God, do I need to go into my inventory to switch to the shock arrow that I never keep out because I want to overlook. You know what? I'll just see how many times I die trying to just kill it with, without it. And it's kind of the same thing a little bit with the uh, overload on the upgrade trees of like, oh, sorry, what did I just up- upgrade now? Because I, I'm really, I just upgraded this thing so I could get to the thing below it. I really don't care right. what this one was. Like, what new weird ability, like, there's an R1 ability for stuff, and you could select the R1 ability, like, shoots three arrows, shoots a super strong arrow, shoots a heavy-duty javelin, That's shoots so a... so much, dude. There are so many, so many active abilities in that skill tree, like the... Ah, man. Like, I... Yeah. Which I've, Valor do you have equipped? And right. like, like, I'm still using the first one that I unlocked. Like, I just haven't... I don't know, man. It's a lot. It's so much. It's so much. Like, and, I'm, and, I'm, I'm really enjoying the game. Like, after, like, I got super deep into Elden Ring and then the last couple nights, like, kind of fell back into Horizon for reasons we'll get into, but they're mostly story reasons. Like, I'm, I'm there mostly for the world and revealing yeah. the story. Like, that's mm-hmm. got its hooks in me now and stuff. And, like, and it's beautiful and stuff. Yes, yeah. Like, the, the gameplay... The gameplay, we talked about it before. It's not as refined over the first one as I would have liked, and I feel like some of this stuff is a little too busy. Like it's 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 fine. It's not like game breaking, but you know, I start I started to say like, oh, it could be a game of the year contender if they fixed all this stuff. That might be a little extreme, but like this could easily be like, oh my god, this game is incredible if they had really sewn that stuff up. And I feel like they have not. For the first one, there was a point where everything started clicking for me and I felt very kitted out. And in this one, I still feel like I have too many balls in the air yeah. the entire time. Uh, like I just, I did a little too much switching, but I, I am actually like, I'm, you know, I'm going through because I am enjoying, I'm enjoying the game and I'm starting to feel powerful in a way in that game that is making the combat easier. Like, yeah, um, right. Like the the uh, leveling curve, the you know you get more powerful ammo and all that stuff. Like yeah, yeah, it's um, it's especially against the human opponents. Like they're trivial at this point for mm-hmm. the most part, uh, and I like that about the game. I like that it's not scaling the enemies. They have you know numbered levels on enemies. Like you can run across a level forty, you know, thunder maw or whatever, but mm-hmm. um. It's good. Like I like being able to one shot things, and that's kind of where I've been going on the critical strike and 
Uh, you know, they give you a lot of points. They give you a lot of upgrade points. And yeah, you never, they really do. They they, they kind of drop like, them on you. So like I, I looked at that skill tree when it first started the game. I was like, like, what's the level cap in this game? How in the world are you ever going to get like half of this stuff? And then I started playing the game. It's like every five minute side quest gives you like at least two or three skill points in addition yeah. to skill points yeah. every time you level, which is also frequent. Yeah, it's it's uh, so like I, I like it. Uh, uh, mechanics wise, I think it's it's it it's towing a heavy load. Like I feel like it's weighed down a little bit by its yeah. mechanics. Um, it's dragging a lot of scrap I, behind it. I, I <laughs> have to. Yes, it certainly is. I have to say, I could shout out to whoever put that glider in there. <laughs> the glider's the, good. The glider is rad. I and it feels good. Like it doesn't feel unwieldy. Like it, it's like I feel like when it does exactly the thing I think it's going to do when I jump off a thing. Don't ask me why, but I went back and got all those goddamn lenses in the daunt. There you like, go. Like they don't why? You why get did, like nothing. Once for you it. see the scale of the rest of the world, the daunt feels like nothing. Like why did I put Elden Ring down to come back to this game just to go back to this tutorial area and do all the busy work quests? I don't know. I have a sickness. But, but, that's but the, the, the point there's, is, there's, there's, a, there's like you got like you got like a hundred shards or something weird. Yeah, yeah it's the, the rewards were not great. I was hoping I was hoping to be like, oh, here's a unique bow or yeah. something, and like, nope, it's just like here's some money. But um, I I get but, that, Brad. Like that, just like, just real quick, you know, like I understand. Like I'm playing a lot more Elden Ring right now, but like I have thought about going back to Horizon this past week because there is a part of me that just wants to go back into an easy rhythm. Under very easily discernible mm-hmm. open world design. Yes, it is that. I mean, the, the reason I brought those towers up, though, with the lenses at the top, is that they give you a repel point at the top of all those things. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. here's your easy little zip line back down to the ground. But instead, I was like, man, fuck that. I can fly. <laughs> I would just because those things are so high yeah. compared to where the valley floor is. Like, dude, like the straight up grandeur of that landscape as you are yes. like, literally leaping off like you are a mile in the air off the ground. And just like gently kind of sailing down into the valley as the sun is setting overhead or whatever. I mean, it is like kind of breathtaking at spots in that game. Like great environmental design, but also just like incredible lighting. Like whoever yeah, did yeah, the yes. lighting design in that game, like give them a raise. I did the uh, I did the mission. We'll, we'll get into the story stuff maybe on the other side of the break. But um, I did the story mission where I'll just say you're in plain song and you have to run to a cave. I'll say that urgently. Mm-hmm, okay. Okay. Yeah. It's not. It's not a big spoiler, but yeah, like, yeah. it's a it's a kind of a hectic. Oh my god, things are popping off. We have to get to mm-hmm. this place. We have to run and fight a bunch. Yes. Yes. Like, okay. Yeah. And yeah, that yeah. that like yeah. happened at night. Like yeah. it was raining at night for most of that mission, and like the final fight in that mission took just long enough that like the sun started rising as the battle ended. Ah. Uh, and it was just like, dude. It was and it was just like blood red sunrise with like yeah. just light spilling over the mountains everywhere. It was just mm-hmm. like. Like, it was the best possible, like, oh my god, that was a night of savage fighting, and we just made it in time, and now there's this beautiful sunrise, and everything that looked awful five minutes ago is, like, beautiful now. And it was just like, man, like, yes, it is kind of a templated, cookie-cutter open-world game, but occasionally, like, the story and the ambient world design can line up in a way that's like, oh man, this is pretty awesome. Yeah, I and agree I, with that. And I, I've hit some other environments. Uh, I'm sure you've done the cauldron-esque stuff at this point where you get yeah. the very techy stuff. That looks pretty good to me. I, and I, then... Unfortunately, unfortunately, I did my first optional cauldron last night uh-huh. and then immediately went and did a story mission that is basically has you going through oh. another oh, entire okay. cauldron. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, that was a little too much of this mechanical puzzle-solving <laughs> yeah. stuff. 
That's the thing. Like, I like the visual design of those. I don't know that I've loved any of like the puzzle yeah, environments like, that I have gone through yet. Like like staring at the environment and sussing out like where are the handholds that they put on these yeah. big intricate yeah. machines they want and me to climb on. And constantly blipping the detective vision and yeah, stuff. Like like where are the where are the little like scripted jumps they want me to make to get through this, which is not challenging. I just have to figure out what they want me to do. Like that yeah. stuff. Like I get yeah, the cauldrons look amazing. But they look amazing, yeah. But they're uh, they're a little and they're probably the most on rails part of that game that I've in. in encountered so far but i have hit yeah. some other areas now that are a little different than um and we'll, we'll get to this in the story stuff too because it starts to branch out into more of like oh okay you're gonna you're gonna go to some different places to go uh um uh complete some quests uh the the other thing i'll say i hit a you mentioned using a glider i did one of the uh hunting challenges or i forget what they're called the trials and <laughs> It was like, you need to do this uh, death from above move. And I was like, the what now? They're like, you need to kill like three guys with a death from above. And I was like, I don't think I unlock that. And I looked through all the trees and it's not there. You just have it. So if you glide over an enemy, you can, you can just uh, stealth kill Wait, them what? from above. Yeah. So, what? so I wound up having to, I'm sure you don't use this either because why would you? It never calls for it. But that like launch yourself up mechanic where you have to hit the other button after you grapple, you know, like you use the grapple. Oh, and I then, it. Yes. I yeah, totally, yeah, yeah. I've totally forgot that's in the game. So did I. And then like, I was like, oh, right. All this stuff that I never oh, used. Man. And they're like, you got to use this for this thing to launch yourself up in the air and use the glider and do a oh, death that, from above. Damn, that launch would have been pretty useful in some spots now that I think about it. I just last <laughs> I totally night. totally forgot. 20 hours into the game, I got a random tooltip last night that you can refill your healing items from your pouch. By holding, oh, yeah, yeah. by holding by holding up, up on the D-pad, yeah, I had no idea you could do that. Like that's so useful when you're in the middle of a boss fight and you run out of healing items, you can just get more in a split second. And I had no idea about that. Well, don't uh, don't put the fast loading on, then you'll never see those mm. tooltips. Uh, it's yeah. wild that fast so, loading thing is fun. Yeah. All right. Well, should we take a break and talk about the story stuff? Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, so we're gonna take a a, a quick break here. When we come back. Uh, heads up, we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about story stuff. Uh, so spoilers on the other side of this, potentially uh, in the Horizon talk. Uh, um, but we'll see you soon. Otherwise, see you on after that. This week's show is brought to you by Rocket Money. Rad Shoemaker, Alex Navarro. I bet you guys have subscriptions. I had a lot of subscriptions. I had too many subscriptions, and at a certain point, I had to drill down. I had to, I had to focus. I had to make sure that I did not have so many subscriptions anymore. You had to take time out of your day. My busy schedule. Your time, which is worth more than anything, to find those subscriptions and cancel. Brad Shoemaker, do you live a subscription lifestyle? I am just a walking monthly bill at this point. <laughs> it's the world we live in. If you need help, boy, guys, I got some uh, I got some news for you. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. It says here that most people think they're spending $80 on their subscriptions, but in reality, the number is closer to 200. My god. What are we even doing? With Rocket Money, you can easily cancel the ones you don't want with just the press of a button. Rocket Money also lets you monitor all your expenses in one place, recommends custom budgets based on your past spending, and they'll even send you notifications when you've reached your spending limits. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way. 
by going to rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. That's rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. Rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. Thanks, Rocket Money. And we're back, and we're going to get a little bit into Horizon story stuff. So, again, uh, spoiler warnings here for some of the story stuff. I don't know if we're going to go too, too deep, but we might mention things we mentioned previously. And uh, just a blanket spoiler uh, uh, warning there for you if you're getting into Horizon and don't want to hear any of that stuff. But, uh, Brad, what are you up to? Uh, so I've only done one more story mission since last week, okay. mostly been doing side stuff, but it's, that story mission apparently is pretty pivotal for both story events and also kind of game structure and mechanics. They kind of put a few of those back to back to back there in the, uh, in the progression. Yeah. Like this is probably the third or fourth time now that I have thought to myself like, Oh, now the game is actually starting. Right. So- and again, this is 20 hours in, this is literally like the, I'm trying to think like, there's that long-ass tutorial sequence before you even get to any open world, yeah. and then they put you in an open world, which itself is just kind of another, like, 10-hour tutorial-ish <laughs> yes. prologue. Mm-hmm. And you get through all that and get to what you think is the real open world, and that's when you think, okay, now the game is starting. And then again, I've had another sort of change in mechanics, or addition in mechanics, like a new, a new layer to the way the game works. That has made me think, like, okay, now the story is really actually starting. So I, th- yeah, I th- feel like they're. It's kind of been fun in a way because it's been a little subverting my expectations. But there have been two kind of red herrings, and the first one we talked about last week, where you're like, oh, am I going to have to go? Is this going to be a boss fight, basically? And it wasn't. And then this again, I think we were talking about it, and it's when you're going to track down this core, and you're like, okay. I think I know how this is going to go. You're going to have to go fight these, you know, AIs and go get this core. And then you kind of walk in there and the AI is like, no, man, it's, let's just, you just take over this base. And you're like, what? Okay. I guess. Right. All right. Well, that's, I, well, I guess this is not going to work then. And then like five seconds later, it's like Gaia. Like, Hey, what's up? I'm here. It's not a hundred percent. Right. But like, you don't have to do much else. I'm running like, uh, it's- yeah, man, the game's got weird pacing to its story because, like I just said, like we said last week and the week before, like it takes forever to get going in terms of like getting through all that opening tutorial prologue stuff. But then there are major story beats that I expected them to hold back until basically the end of the game that just kind of happen, mm-hmm. right? Like I love, I kind of like talk, that. It, that that I appreciate. Like they just we talked about it before. They just kill Hades. <laughs> like you meet Hades, and then ten minutes later, it's dead. Yeah. Like, I went into this assuming that was going to be one of the major antagonists of the whole game, and they just kill it as soon as you find yeah. it. Uh, and then, by the same token, one of the major plot drivers is you're trying to find a backup of Gaia, the AI that runs the terraforming system, so she can be rebooted and reconstituted or whatever. And I assumed that was going to be a game-long effort, yeah. right? But, again, one story mission passed where we were the last I was the last time we talked about this. It just happens. Right. Like, so that's the thing I was really surprised by is there's like a home base in this game that I gather seems like it almost be might be like Mass Effect Normandy ish. Seems upgradable. Like I I don't know for sure. Yes, there but it's like you get there with two of your friends and they are straight up hanging out in there yeah. in a way that suggests like oh there might be like eight or ten of your friends hanging out in here later in the game for you to maybe talk to randomly between missions. Right. And there's like. Like, as you're running around in that base, it's like a mountain base that you find. And, like, 
Aloy is literally muttering to herself as you run past doors in that thing. Like, Okai is not able to open this door yet, but maybe she will be able to later. Mm-hmm. Well, she literally said like, something. I, I think if you click on one, she's like, oh, once once I'm at this percentage operational power, I'll be able to unlock that door. And you're like, okay, I need to go do yeah. X amount of story yes. quest. It's, it's, it's pretty gamey, but in a way that I kind of appreciate, like... But the home base I did not see coming at all, and also the fact that you just straight up, like, Gaia becomes a character. You know, I thought that was going to be, like, an end of the game. I finally got the Gaia stuff, and now I can turn her on. But, like, like you have a straight up, very lengthy, like, conversation <laughs> wheel encounter with her. Oh, yeah. You know, like, exposition like, dump. And and they don't hold back the nature of, like, any of the stuff we talked about last yeah. week. Like, the, the sci-fi people that you were fighting and stuff like that. Like, she just, like... I mean, you know, we obviously inferred what was going on with that yeah. stuff, but she just lays it out there. You know, it's like, oh, thank you. Thank you, game, for not, like, insulting our intelligence and, like, acting like this is some big mystery for the mm-hmm. entire game. Like, thank you for just getting all this stuff over with so we can get on with whatever's next in the it's story. It's a pretty deep conversation tree. Like, it takes yeah, a while to get through yes. it. That- I, <laughs> I fucking love that conversation where she's like, Aloy is like, so how did you calculate which star? <sighs> yes, I was going to mention that. Yeah. They came from. And she was like, and she goes into this very lengthy explanation about like the speed of light between yeah. Earth and Sirius. Yeah. And like calculating the return trip. You know, and- like, oh, I assumed like I'd, I calculated the speed of their vessel here based on multiple scenarios, yeah. whether they left as soon as they sent their signal or whether they waited until the sig- they got a return an answer back. You know, like yeah. it's just, it was, it was, it was, it was very, I thought it was interesting. The, the other thing yeah. that was interesting is like Aloy just throwing out the, the a focus left and right now. Just like, hey, mm-hmm. everybody get a focus. Check this out. Um. You could tell that. Yeah, she found a she found a supply of new old tech. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, she so got some new old stock mm-hmm. focuses for like she literally gives them out to her friends and and Varl is just like okay oh yeah great okay one to wear one for that <laughs> right mm-hmm. and, the, like, huh. and like the 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 other companion you got it's like well, okay we're doing this too huh okay here's a focus and like that to me is very funny like just everybody you know why not everybody get a focus like let's just. Uh, I like seeing some of that stuff. The funny game, you said it was like pretty gamey. The thing that um, uh, I'll mention here, and if you're up to this part, it's it's pretty funny, but it suddenly takes on an air of uh, a Zelda-esque, like, oh, you need to go to the, um, you're going to go to the air temple, you're going to go to the water temple, and you're going to go, um, what is it? It's, it's a... Uh, uh, oh, yeah, it's uh, like the, the plant, the forest temple. Yeah, yeah the, the, forest the, the forest temple, temple. right. Yeah, so like, uh, what about these other ones? Uh, we're not going to talk about these other ones because they don't map that well. The Animal Temple and the uh, Smarty Temple and the um, what's the other one that's off missing? Ooh, they got They're Smarties offline. in a temple. The, the yeah. ones, let's see, the ones that are offline are it's Hades, Artemis, Apollo. Uh, uh, that they can't Luthia. find. Luthia is the one that ran all the cradles. Okay, who was Artemis? Artemis was the animals. Oh, animals. Yeah. Artemis was animals. Luthia was cradles. Hades was kill everything. Yeah, Hephaestus. Why are we doing Hephaestus this? Hephaestus is the <laughs> cauldron. Poseidon. No, the, the, no yeah. yeah, no, no, I know, I know, yeah, yeah. Poseidon is the obviously the uh, water animals. Demeter is the that's the um that's the plants. Aether. And Aether, Aether is the yeah the air. Aether. Aether. Am I missing anybody? Oh, and Minerva. Oh, Minerva is the code that's, cracker. I, I, yeah, and she's she's been she's been reintegrated. She was just sad, like yeah. But like you know, they're like, okay, you need to get these three. Um, you need to get Poseidon. You need to get, um, is it Neptune or Poseidon? I can't remember. Neptune? It's probably Neptune. It's Poseidon. Oh, it's Poseidon? Okay. Oh, it's Poseidon. Poseidon, yeah. It's Poseidon, Aether, and um, Demeter. Yeah, and it's like, oh, okay, you need to do the water test. And it's like, mm, I've hit some things that I need a rebreather for. I've hit some things uh-huh. with plants mm-hmm. that I need to, like, uh-huh. oh, the vines won't go away. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what the what the wind or air one is yet, though. Like, I haven't hit areas I, that are like, oh, that's too poisoned. I can't go in. I, I I don't know, but I cannot tell you how excited I was when I found out that Poseidon is chilling in the ruins of Las Vegas. <laughs> yes, that's pretty funny. Like, like, I'm excited. I'm so excited to go to to ruined old. Are you going to do them out of order? Or are you going to take them at I the don't level? Know. Because they tell you the level uh, recommended level for yeah. each one. What casino do you think he'll be hanging out in? Oh, he's gonna be in the oh, tri- is with the Triton one, the the Neptune, isn't it? The- the, yeah, what is the what is the most nautical themed? What is the most aquatic Vegas casino? I'm not sure there actually is one anymore. Yeah, I can't think of one actually. Now that I th- now that you mentioned it, that seems like an oversight. It's got to yeah. be something. Um, but I mean, there's I like the, that, there's I like the fountain that. at the Bellagio, but that's about it. It's, tr- it's true. I I like that Zelda analogy actually because like previously when they made it clear like oh you're gonna be going around collecting all the AIs that were scattered across the West like. That felt video gamey in a bad way mm. somehow. Like that sounded kind of cheesy and mechanical. Also maybe a little tedious. <laughs> right. But so the fact that they they like they were like, oh, half of them are just gone forever. You can't get those. Like there's only three of them. Yeah. And they are and they are major quests. And then when you yeah, when you portray them as like, okay, you're going to the air temple and the what the forest temple. And like, like you're probably gonna get that, the you know, sticking on the Zelda thing, you're gonna get the the raft or the candle, the thing that's gonna let you right. do the dungeon and be like I don't I don't know how to I don't know how to qualify this, but that feels like good video gamey <laughs> where the uh, the way it looked like it was gonna go was bad video gamey. Uh, uh there's also fun stuff, like I don't know if you, you got far enough to like uh so you have the the they keep saying by the ten, right? Oh uh, the the Tanakhd. Right, they're like, uh, yeah. oh, buy the ten, or whatever, and you find out what the ten are, uh, and you go to like the, um, you find out what their whole thing is based off of is is a pretty oh, good. No, I haven't, I haven't. It's seen pretty that pretty fun, pretty that's good. Not, uh, that's, it's like you basically, it, yeah. I mean, you don't have to tell me exactly what it is, but is it basically just following the formula of they found a thing from the old world and yes, they are just attaching right. themselves to it? It, it is is very okay. much a vigor vigor. Um, uh, it is a you know a rub the rest of it off kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Got it. Which is I always like that stuff, right? Of like, oh, how do these things that were maybe not supposed to be taken as canonical or uh, a scripture become someone's scripture? Uh, and it's fun. It's fun. I think if I remember, like the kind of the Nora mythology in the first game like actually does map to what happened to the world like pretty closely in like vague mythological terms mm, right. right like the thousand years like, after the stuff really went down right yes yeah yes like like they're like, if i remember like their creation myth actually does basically describe what actually happened in in antiquity just like not in specific terms yeah and just like with a, some mysticism piled on top right. which yeah. is yeah which is fun like you know the tanakh have an interesting thing and like a, it's a fun little reveal of yeah. like oh Oh, is this what is this what the hell you're talking about? Uh, and like, yes, yes, this is these are the tenets by which we live. Like, okay, yeah. uh, I kind of I kind of appreciated though with the, with Zoe, one of the new characters though. Like, she seems like one of the most devout uh, characters to her specific kind of beliefs of anybody in the game. She's the grave singer, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. and then like instantly like in the space of one story mission you she like she sees the truth of what's going on underground and like instantly is just like i don't i like i mean it sounds very cliched but she's literally like i don't know what to believe anymore but like it's just they just like they shake her beliefs fundamentally like instantly yeah i mean there's that line there where where she's at your base right and it's like are you going back like to do what like what it was like right what am i gonna tell everybody like no also, right. she is uh, extremely well rendered. Like the yes. the main characters in that game, the facial capture and the the performance yeah, I can't, captures. I can't. Very good. I cannot get over how good the 
the facial animation is in this game. But re- refresh my memory. Her thing is very like their belief system is very much rooted in them not seeing a thing that is going on in a place, right? Like they have a there's a sacred place that nobody goes to, oh, yes. and that's the whole yes. thing. And they, like all of yes. their beliefs are essentially rooted in that place is a no go. And then yeah. once yeah. she sees what's she going there. there, it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is again like that's. Like, I, I don't me, know how long you can rely on that. I guess is the is the question I have because surely someone cheated somewhere along the way and went and took a peek in there and saw what was going on well, with the thousand years. I, I mean, that's <laughs> the thing with a lot of this game, right? It's yeah. like, I mean, Aloy has a focus, and she seems like one of the few people in the first game. They had a couple of other people who would get a focus, like Silence right. has a focus, but like. You know, I mean, she's you get Varl one like right at the beginning of this one. Yeah, it, well, yeah, like yes, like more and more people are starting to see the stuff that Aloy sees, yeah. which is interesting. And it, it seems like that the entire pre-cataclysm world was built upon AR. So if you don't have the AR, you kind of can't see anything. I mean, maybe the yeah. most unbelievable part is the idea that anyone would have designed that tech to last more than five years, let alone a thousand. God, the batteries in those things must be amazing. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. There's, we got other games. I, I won't talk endlessly about this. We should probably move on. But one other thing I want to say. First of all, I don't. I, sh- I should have pulled the address for this. I found somebody made a website that's literally called like the Apollo Project because mm-hmm. Apollo was the like repository of all human knowledge that was destroyed in the first game. And it's, all it is is just like they collected all the collectibles from the first game and made them like browsable online in a really easy way. That's nice. So I went, so I went through and read all of the text logs from the first game again, just as a refresher. Like, I guess it's not really a spoiler. It's from the first horizon right. and it's in text logs, but, uh, it very explicitly described what far Zenith actually is, which mm. do you know that? Uh, like only, I only remembered it mostly from this game, the setup for this game. So unless it's right. Something so, else. My memory of Farzenith, the ship that went to Sirius, yeah. that has now spawned the sci-fi people that are trying to kill you, uh, was that it was like a colonization effort, right? Right, Like if that it was parallel to Zero Dawn. It was another attempt to save humanity in the face of extinction. Right, but like a generation you know? ship, like a, right? Like we're going to... Right, yeah. right. Turns out what it actually is, is that they had started building that ship like 20 years prior because of climate change. Mm. When they thought climate change was going to destroy the planet before they found a way to reverse it. Okay. And then that project was abandoned after they fixed climate change and like this ship was just sort of derelict in orbit around earth until all of the world's trillionaires came together and bought it. Oh, I don't remember that part. I remember so, that some of that it's yes. alluded to in the beginning of this game, but so I, I, I completely forgot about that aspect of it is that the far Zenith people are literally just the, the richest assholes from old earth. So that, that is in all, the beginning of this all came game. together yeah, and, yeah. and, uh, and bought a, I had completely forgot. Yes, you're right. I do remember a, a, a mention of that. Yeah, yeah they I mention it, it, and then they like there's that hologram with the guy who's sort of like I guess is like kind of the spearhead dude of the project that they immediately decide to knife in the back because he's such an annoying asshole. <laughs> right. And then there's yes, also the but, shuttle that didn't take off that you go to. Right, but the, the the distinction for me is that like literally that ship, that entire project began as a collaboration mm-hmm. between like all the nations of the world, mm-hmm. and then like. Just at the very last minute before the robots destroyed humanity, like all the richest people on Earth were just like, oh, well, we're just buying this and getting out. Right, Bye. Right. Right. It's like, like it, it just it just makes the people who went on that far zenith <laughs> expedition that much worse. Like, you know, they suck. But the the more you read into it, there's depth to how much they suck. Like it was, yes. I was pretty yes. happy to have a villain you could just get behind hating coming yes. to this yeah. game because. Yeah. Uh, because they really do a grand entrance of suck when they come into that game of like, wow, yeah. these guys are assholes. Uh, yes. And that's that's kind of fun. 
Um, no. All right. So let's end the, the spoiler stuff for Horizon there. I'm going to keep going with it because uh, um, I need to see what this Zelda-like stuff uh, uh, winds yeah. up being. But I'm not done yeah, with I'm, it. I'm going to keep playing. I am super bought in now as of where I'm at. Um, so I'm going to mark that now. Let's end those spoiler talks. And... Let's move into Elden Ring, a game that I think will probably have less spoiler stuff. But uh, again, if you're if you're jumping into this, coming out of the Horizon stuff, you guys have played a lot more Elden Ring. I have not played much uh, at all since we streamed. But, you know, there'll be stuff in there that you might want to discover on your own. So just kind of heads up there as we go into Elden Ring here. So tell me about Elden Ring, your journeys in Elden Ring. Oh, geez. Gosh, where to start? Have you guys uh, pushed the story forward anymore? Almost not at all. I don't, I don't even know what story is in that game, really. Like, the closest like, I have come to really pushing the story forward is I've gone back to a few of the NPCs that you meet kind of early on and had further conversations with them. But by and large, my time with that game has been spending an entire evening wandering around, poking around, seeing what I find, what, I, what treasure I can uncover, what smaller bosses I can take on. Just kind of, you know, just poking around the map, seeing what's there, then going to spending another hour, you know, beating my head against Margaret saying, nope, not there yet. And then going and doing the exact same process again the next time. Mm. I think that's that's the way to play that game. Yeah. Just if you get bored or stuck, just go somewhere else because there's tons of stuff to find. And I'm really enjoying the finding of the stuff in a way Mm. that I was not fully expecting because so people you know, kind of in the lead up to this had kind of framed this game very much in the the mold, not necessarily in the design ethos, but certainly in the mold of a Breath of the Wild, you know, an open world game that is not really about tracking a million, you know, map objectives that are all just kind of like laid out for you in a very, you know, specific order of things and all that. Like, it's about finding your own fun within the world before eventually finding your way to the end. Hmm. And I bounced off of Breath of the Wild very much because of that, because I think the the discovery is great, but the things I was discovering were not necessarily holding my attention the same way. Like I enjoy the mechanics puzzles of Zelda to a point, but I don't want to only be uncovering more and more mechanics puzzles and temples here. The, um, the stuff I'm uncovering, it, it's simpler in a way, in the sense that like, it's really, you're finding out like, if I'm, I'm going to plumb this, these catacombs. I wonder I'm going to find there. Oh, death. There's a thing that wants to kill me there. Of course there is. Several things want to kill me. But that's kind of awesome for me because I think my brain is just tuning itself much more easily to that. Like, I don't care that I can't keep track of every single cave that I've been in and every single catacomb that I've gone down into, every single encounter that I've had. But, like, knowing that, like, at the end of it, like, there's either going to be treasure or there's going to be a thing that wants to kill me. Like, that is just easier to latch onto. And it, I'm, I'm fine being untethered in that world and just fucking around in it. I don't even know if I care about fighting the bosses or seeing the story through or any of that. I could probably end up spending 40 hours in this thing just saying I walked everywhere and saw everything and be happy. But that's the thing. I am happy. I'm having a good time with this game. Miserable as the tone of it may be, I'm having a very good time with it. Brad? Yeah. Um... Trying to think what to say about it, like because like everybody's path through this game is so different, right? Yeah. Like it's almost just like you need to just tell people like which continent did you go to? Like oh, I've been spending most of my time on this peninsula, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Um. I think like I one of the words I would use to describe this game is generous. Hmm. Like it feels generous in a way that previous Souls games have not been, in terms of just all the little like assists and. I don't want to say gimmies that I'm finding. Like you still have to play the game skillfully, but like 
like the guard counter. I think that's what it's called. Mm -hmm. The thing where you tank a hit and block it and immediately hit R2 and just return an automatic attack that does a ton of poise damage. Like dead simple to pull that off. Like there's no like super tight parry window there or anything. Like you just do it over and over and over. And it really like trivializes a lot of the fights with the fodder enemies. And it never even occurred to me. You can also use that on bosses. I don't know why that didn't occur to me. But you totally can. Some it works better than others. Like Mark, yeah, Margit has an attack yes. very early on that like makes you think the guard counter is going to work, but then he immediately follows it up with another thing that you can't really hit him uh, in that timing right, window. Right. Like, yes. Yeah. You definitely have to be judicious with its use, and like you know, some auto bosses are just going to have so much poise that you can't necessarily stun them. Right. But but it does work in all situations. It works way I mean? more like, than you think it would. And like a ton of the lesser bosses that I've been coming across, I'm like kind of shocked how little health they have. Like my first, my first ever jail that I did, which by the way, <laughs> ever jail. If you're going to do a thing in your open world, that is an activity that I have to warp into and you call it an ever jail. I'm not necessarily going to be eager to go in there because it sounds like I'm never getting out, <laughs> mm -hmm. especially in one of these games. Um, but like the boss I fought in there is like, Dude, you do so much damage, and I haven't even upgraded my weapon at that point. And it's like, you probably only need to hit him, like, maybe two dozen times or less to kill him. Hmm. And it was just like... Did they, did they do a ton of damage, are, or it's, it's manageable? They did They did pretty good damage. This this boss did a ton of bleed, okay. so that was a pain. But, like, you kind of kill them so fast that it's just like, man, like, this feels so much more... It, it's, almost, it's almost like this game is like, there are so many fucking bosses in this game that we're going to throw at you that they can't all be bangers, you know? Yeah. Like they can't all they can't all be markets where you're going to make some of these bosses like quite a bit easier on you and like you get good stuff for fighting them you know look sometimes you um, you fight you know the Mister Big at the end of the the Mad Gear gang or a lot of time you just need to fight Andor over and over right. again in different form yeah. permutations sure sure and like I've found items that feel like like I've got two talismans now one of them anytime I do a backstab or that front like when you stun them and do the front execution. I get a shitload of like a third of my health oh, back every time that. I do. I have to find that thing. <laughs> the other talisman <laughs> that I am using now straight up just refills your health slowly. Oh, like like passively. Oh, like, man. Yeah. Like your like your health literally just ticks back up slowly <sighs> over time. How slowly? Like, uh, it's pretty slow. Like it's not really going to help you in a fight, but okay. it will absolutely mean that like by the time you get into the next encounter, you'll be back at full health again. It means you don't have to frantically uh, go and try and find a point of grace right after you're out of one of those encounters. Right. Like the point is like, I have so many ways to get health back that are not using flasks at this point that like, I feel super sustainable. That's like cool. I can just kind of keep exploring for not indefinitely, but quite a long time. Also the way I found that talisman was wild because like, I tweeted something the, the day that the embargo, the review embargo lifted for this game, which is that it feels like an open world where you never do the same thing twice. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I might need to qualify that a little bit because there have been a few things that I've seen that are kind of the same. Like there are multiple guard towers, you know, like you find things that they call guard towers, but they're never the same design. They're never the same layout. You know, they're all unique towers, but they are all towers. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So like my third or fourth one of those I got to, I was like, okay, this is like kind of a repeated activity, even though each one has like, you know, like, oh, this guy is up on the top of the flaming crossbow. This other one, you have to make this big jump. Like there are differences, but they are all guard towers. I got to the top of that one and found the treasure chest at the top. And I was like, okay, what, what weapon are you going to give me for clearing this guard tower? I opened it and it was like ensnared by transportation trap. Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. And and I got ported to what seems to be as far up on the map as you can go. Yeah. It's literally like I couldn't scroll the cursor on the map anymore up to where I was. And there was only one enemy there. It was a gigantic flaming <laughs> statue. 
that I hit like five times in a row and could not even see the health bar go down. Right. <laughs> and I was like, well, fuck this. And it was just a tiny little platform where I had nowhere else to go. But there was a treasure chest behind it, so I booked it past that thing and like frantically opened the treasure chest before it killed me and got that talisman. And that was the regen one? And that was the regen one, and then I just poured it out of there. Like, it's clearly like straight-up endgame type territory. Yeah. Because it's, it's so far away on the map, but like it's just so wild. that I mean, these games are always like that, right? Where, like, oh, totally. Now, now you know how I wound up on the other side of the map. Like, right. Yeah. Like, it was kind of like, like that bag man from Bloodborne that just comes in and abducts you at some point mm-hmm. randomly in the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it was, it was that kind of thing, but like they just reward exploration so much in that game. Like they, they give you so many things that make the game more pleasant to play because you poke around enough to find them. And even when you don't find those things, even when you just find a horrible death at the other end of it, like those fights are engaging, like the stuff that it feels different enough other than like those, you know, those uh, sort of copy pasted giant ogre dudes that run around, you know, you see a bunch of them running around. Like, I feel like every health bar fight has felt at least a little bit different. And I've oh, yeah, seen yeah, a lot yes. of those. Any named boss with a full screen health bar is a totally separate encounter. Yeah. And there's just so much of it. And, yeah. you know, like, it's not that they don't repeat anything throughout that game. But, like, the way I come upon stuff and the way you uncover it feels bespoke and different enough to me that I feel like yeah. it is it is worth just, like, it feels worth plumbing every corner of the map just to see what's yeah. there. And like every everyone's process of exploring that game, everyone's path through that game is going to feel like very organic and like personalized to them. Yeah, mm. because you do have so much freedom to just go wherever. Uh, it's 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 super like the world design is is so good in that game. It's a really remarkable construction, and again, it, it, it maybe doesn't a hundred percent solve the problem I had with the old games, which is that you know at a certain point the skill set they want from me just does not jive with my tendencies as a player. But I have had a much easier time finding my way through this and figuring out strategies for this one because I do have that option to just say, this is beyond me right now. But I know at some point there will come a time when something comes my way or something happens that will make this no longer beyond me. And I can spend hours doing other stuff, getting there and not feel like I'm wasting my time. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like um, it seems like very different than and you guys have played more than I have at this point, but it seems like different than let me go check the internet to see what I need to go find. They open it up in that by putting so many things in this open world, let you just find stuff on your own without having to, because before it was, there were only so many paths you can go. And so Mm -hmm, to make things interesting, they would hide stuff behind hidden walls or time. Like, Oh, if you, you have to get this character before you do this thing or sequence of events. And that, you know, that can be frustrating if you if you mess something up and you're like, you will never see that ring because you yeah. can do it. And that might still be in this game, but at least it seems like there's enough to go wander around a, a stranger in a strange land style and just be, other, be weird. Other than some very specific conversations I've had with friends who are also playing uh, and just kind of compare notes here and there, like... I've pretty much resolved myself to not looking at guides or stuff on the internet and like trying to be like, okay, what's the best way to get this, that, whatever. Like at a certain point, I'm sure I will be like, okay, I've played like 40 hours of this thing. I just want that talisman Brad was talking about. So I'm going to look up how to do it. But right now that just doesn't feel necessary. Like it doesn't, it doesn't feel like I, there's some wall that I'm not going to be able to cross because I don't have this or that or whatever. Like it doesn't matter. I'm just, like, and, and I think eventually I will hit those walls, but it feels like there's so much run up and so many options there before you get there. It sounds great. 
I'm uh, yeah. I- I'm going to probably finish up Horizon before I go back into Elden, but uh, I'm excited to jump back in and kind of sink my teeth into some more Elden Ring. Um, yeah, and- there's a lot there. Just don't waste time farming those god-awful birds in that castle like I did to try to get that sword that you got on that stream. Wait, which sword did I get? Remember those birds that have like giant swords for feet and yes. one of them dropped their foot as a sword yes, for you? Yes, I remember that. Oh, geez. Did I, did I even ever equip that thing? Yes, yeah, you, you did. Used it. Okay. Oh, I, you're I, right. I, yes, yes. That's where, I, around where I found those claws too, right? I ran that loop. like Those things are hateful, man. Those are like maybe the most annoying enemies in that game so far. I, I ran that loop like a dozen times hoping that that sword would drop and it never did. Every uh, flying enemy in that game is my most hated enemy. Did you get the yeah. claws? The Wolverine claws? Yes, I do have those. There's a fun. Um, I have not, have not finished that castle yet. That castle's a lot. Also, I found uh, I found the Bloodborne Lantern. Remember in Bloodborne where you could buy a little lantern that you could attach to your belt? Yes. I didn't play it. Or was that Dark Souls 3? Maybe the, was that Dark Souls 3? I know what you're talking about with, the, with the, uh, the, the lantern. I've seen that in at least one of those games. Yeah, anyway, anyway this game has that too. Specifically for excited. illumination? Yeah. Okay. It means you don't have to equip a torch in your hand to be able to see in the dark. Got it. You can just throw that thing on your belt and it's nice, nice lighting. Uh, My only beef with this game is I really want them to take another pass at the UI at some point <laughs> in the menus. Like it's UI. Yes. UI's got some issues. Also, we don't need to get into the performance, but the performance is rough on every platform. The performance is not great. And they need to make those icons that appear under your health bar that denote either buffs or, <laughs> you know, uh, debuffs. Like they need to make them actually legible because I don't know what any of them mean. And even when I look them up, I can barely discern them on the screen. Well, that is super souls. Yeah. I mean, they probably I know, but are like happy something about, like even just make them prob- a little they're bigger. Probably happy. I would assume they're happy that you don't know what those mean. Uh, it's just a down arrow pointing into an abyss. How do you not know what that means? I mean, I mean, like the first one I ever got is just a red square. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. And I just, that? I just don't think there's an excuse for that. Even if that is like the nature of those things. Like I just, I, I, if you're going to do all this work to make this the most approachable one of these games, then just like, give me that little thing on top. Like it yeah, just I mean, something. Yeah. At the same time, though, like, this is the most I have talked to my friends about a single video game in, like, I don't, years, yeah. probably. Like, the amount of discussion around this game is, like, a hundred times more than most games that come out these days because everybody's swapping notes and, like, that's fun. It is. Um. All right, should we get into the uh, the rest here and then uh, see mm-hmm. if we can uh, wrap them up news. and take a break for the news? Let's, yeah. um, let me talk quickly here about Far Changing Tides. Uh, that's far colon changing time. Sequel to is, far lone sales. That's right. This game is impossible to Google for. It's yeah. uh, it's not a great na- name, especially since Jet the Far Shore uh, also came out, and that is firmly planted in my head. And also uh, totally unrelated. Totally unrelated. So this is um, this is kind of a left to right moving game where essentially like um. Loan sales, loan sales. I forgot it already. I think it, it was, was loan sales. Um, you have a vehicle, and along the way, you're in this like kind of abstracted. Up, we you assume post-apocalypse, uh, but you're kind of by yourself, and you're moving this kind of lumbering vehicle from left to right across the landscape. And in this case, it's kind of a boat, and along the way, you're getting upgrades for it, and almost a little um, 
lovers in a dangerous space time running around the vehicle managing the systems of the vehicle as you go there's you know like it's, fuel and it's a big ship right yeah oh, it's like it a, a submarine big, this it's, i just found it well i haven't gone underwater yet so okay i just came across a screenshot of it being submerged so maybe it can be a submarine. yeah so you're gonna get upgrades to kind of pass through different obstacles at some point and i assume manage it differently and to avoid damage, you need like you know you need to like take the sails down quickly. Like oh my gosh, my sails are up and I'm I'm hitting a, a low overhang. Let me get the sails down, switch it over to uh, um, engine power, and I'll engine power my way through this. And like to me, it's fun. Like you're just kind of moving across the the land, picking up different upgrades, and trying to not necessarily really puzzle, but um, you know, manage the systems of the, the vehicle. And, and it's I was, fun. I was trying to think of a reference point and I couldn't until you said lovers in a dangerous space time. Like that is the vibe. Cause like totally outside like the, when you're out, yeah. when, when you're outside the ship, you just see the ex the exterior of the ship. But then when you run inside the ship, it instantly cuts to like a, like a, a cross section of the ship, yeah. you know, where you see all the rooms and you were like platforming between them, right? Like you were physically running your little character around between systems doing stuff. And that looks cool. That's exactly right. And there are just like push X here buttons, right. To do a thing like, Oh, push X here and push it forward to raise the sails or jump on this button to do the bellows, to make the, uh, uh the, soak the fire. Um, it's fun. Uh, and, and I like it. And I just, it's hard to, it's a weird thing to say. Like, I like the tone because it does kind of have this dire atmosphere, but I do actually like the tone in it. I do uh, remember like, the first game being a little on the dour side, but not yeah. in like an oppressive way. I mean, the background stuff as you're the parallax background that is scrolling behind you are all ruined houses and like mm -hmm. suburbs that have flooded under and, and you kind of don't know exactly what happened there. Um, is there, uh, is there any freedom of exploration? Like when you're on the ship, do you have multiple places you could sail to and do stuff or is it no always way. linear? Just here's the next place you're well, going. Well, so far. And if it's anything like the last game, the, really it's only vertical exploration like you're that thing is just moving ahead straight okay so um, there's there's no like world map where it's like okay here are three places nah. i could go to and check stuff out okay. no at least that's the, i'm not that far into this one maybe something does happen but you can dive under the water and go explore a little bit if you need to but usually that's only in service of solving a puzzle and eventually that you you get to buildings that you will explore get out of the thing and go explore a building a bit and then come back in but it's very kind of too like flat locked to that plane um so you're not, you're not going off into the distance or the foreground far changing tides it's 20 bucks um it's also on game pass if you have game Ooh. pass uh so it, you can check it out uh there it's on you know playstation for 20 bucks as well and on pc and i think on switch are coming to switch so uh 20 bucks i think it's if it's anything like the last game not a very long experience but i found it to be an enjoyable one uh, I think they sell a bundle too on Steam at least. Uh, the other thing I put some time into is Shadow Warrior 3. Hmm. I also booted that up for a bit. How is it? Us. Uh, it's, it's okay. okay. Let me let me rephrase. How did you find Shadow Warrior 2, which was the first attempt at making one of those from the Devolver, uh, you know, for the modern developers? And like, I, where are you feeling with this one comparatively? So. I think mechanically interesting and engaging. I think tonally, I think I can sum this up by saying I had a discussion with my children a couple of days ago about the difference between silly and funny. Mm -hmm. And they're at an age where they, it was hard to understand because everything silly to them was kind of funny. 
And it was hard to kind of find something to tell them. They're like, well, here's something funny that might not be silly. I think Shadow Warrior is mostly silly, and I don't know if I actually find it funny a lot of the time. It's just yeah, very silly. Sure. Okay, I could, I could get behind um, that. I mean, it's it's not offensive. Uh, yeah, so I, I will say I think they. I mean, I think they already crossed this bridge with Shadow Warrior Two. Yeah. But at a minimum, they have managed to make a new low Wang game without the like racist character. Or stereotype, or at least think, it, it, like to, for the to, most part, not my, what it used to be at the very least. No, yeah. I mean, like uh, I guess for people who don't know, like Shadow Warrior is essentially Duke Nukem, yeah, like quite literally from the same people from the '90s, except with like kind of fairly racist, stereotypical like Asian accents and and humor and stuff, like a very unknowing Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I guess seem they seem to have like. They've certainly translated this to the modern era in a way that Duke Nukem was not able to. I'll say that. And I should probably clarify, like, again, to my to my very uh, Western white sensibilities, I'm not finding yeah. it offensive. So, like, I, you know, maybe it is, but um, they seem to be consciously trying to walk. Like, there aren't a lot of low wang jokes. Like, I remember Shadow right. Warrior having. I mean, it, it, the stuff that's in it are like, you know. Him singing songs that are like, like really, we're gonna do a, like a like a pop pop little pop thing now, and like a lot of like man, like a lot of just bad one liners that are just yeah. like. I mean, I, I'll you know I'll, I'll say at least they're not like making fun of his accent anymore. Yeah, is, is, okay. is what I'm trying to say. Like the, in a way that the stuff from the '90s was just super kind of all about, as one could imagine. Yeah. So like, right? So like that stuff, um, uh, and the mechanics of it are seems like they're taking inspiration from stuff like Doom. And yeah, like I, I got a extreme Doom Eternal vibe off of this game. Like it straight up got glory kills. Mm-hmm. Like you build up an execution meter, and those play out just like glory kills. But you, um, but you got a you got a weapon, a limited time weapon every time you do it, which is kind of neat. So every time you do yeah. um, a big glory kill, you get some kind of special from the type of enemy that you killed, and that's actually really interesting because yeah. you kind of decide what you which enemy you want to get based on the special weapon you're going to use. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a neat little twist on that. Like, it's also got the omnidirectional dash from Doom Eternal. Like, you hit shift if you're on a keyboard. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, literally, like, whichever direction you're moving, you can dash in that direction. Even in the air, you, you get an air dash. Yeah, yes. Air dash, you start with a double jump. Um, it's also got the, uh, what do you call it? Like, kind of the leapfrog ammo mechanic of Doom Eternal, yeah. where it's like, okay, you can kill enemies with guns and build up this meter, or you have a katana. And if you kill enemies with the katana, then they drop ammo for the guns. Yeah. You know, it's like a, a back and forth. Of, I think guns get you wet, uh, range gets you health as well. So yes, uh, yes, that's yes. So that, yeah, that definitely feels like they took some, some ideas from recent doom. Yeah, for sure. And you know, you get a grappling hook. Uh, so that yeah. that's also in there. And I, at some point, one of the characters, I mean, this actually made me chuckle. So I should say like, it's not, it's not devoid of humor. It's just, you know, it, it's, it's of a certain lowbrow. It, uh, it is pretty ex- sort of extreme, like wow, kind yeah, of. Yeah, like, it's, it's, some stuff made me chuckle, and this made me laugh. Where he says, um, one of the characters is like, "Whoa, man, you got a grappling hook now." He's like, "Everybody's got a grappling hook now." It's kind of you kind of have to have a grappling hook, uh, and I was like, "Yeah, I guess, I guess maybe 2022 will be, you know, best grappling hook. Uh, maybe that was 2020, 2021." But like, I've it, I found it. I found it cruising until I realized, like, man, this is starting to get a little repetitive. Like, I'm I'm hitting mm. these. Like, you're gonna throw another one of these arena battles in front of me. Like, this is yeah. this is I kind of what it is. is. That is that game for sure. Um, and I just I finished mean, one, and then it's like, 
it might as well be Doom Eternal, like lock the doors, yeah. arena, and the doors will open once the enemies are dead. Yeah, and it, it does not feel as tight as Doom to me. No. Or like so. as not as raucous, you know, like if that's the right word, not as like like, oh my gosh, yes, like I I killed this guy, bastard this guy. It's a little like not floaty, but a little like, oh, okay, like I'll just jump around for a little while and Yeah. Uh, yeah. uh and you get you have some um key, like uh some some magic that you can use as well for pushing people off ledges. But I generally like I was having a kind of breezy time with it uh, until some of the arenas were like, oh, okay, this one is kind of tough. I have to think my way through this a little bit and figure out how to plan it out. It's goofy. Yeah. Not always it's funny, okay. but goofy. It's okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I would, I would say for the most part, it has not been extremely funny necessarily. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's, it's okay for what it is. It's for 50 bucks. It's maybe a little, uh. <laughs> Yeah. There's a certain charm to it that I, I can see. Like I, I don't know that much about the Shadow Warrior franchise because I, I never went through it. I think we've we've covered most of it. Yeah, <laughs> there's not much. There's not much more to know. There. Um, but like, you know, there's they're doing some character work here. They're trying to, and uh, yeah. uh, I think you probably, if you have been around video games for a while, you probably know what the Shadow Warrior vibe is, and if it's going to be okay. I, but like I said, I think mechanically they're doing some interesting stuff. Uh, and they throw stuff at you pretty quickly, but not in an overwhelming way. Like you get weapons pretty quickly and mechanics pretty, pretty quickly. Um, Shadow Warrior three, I gonna put Shadow Warrior three down, and I'm mm-hmm. gonna go back to Horizon, and then I'm gonna play Elden, maybe some Far Changing Tides. I don't know when I'm gonna come back to Shadow Warrior three. I guess it does feel like maybe there's some other higher priority games to be playing right now. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't, I don't know. I also I'm don't know how long it is, but. It could be a long one. Yeah. Uh, Shadow Warrior 3. Anything else we want to jump into? Um, I played through the first mission of the new Destiny 2 expansion, if we want to talk about sure. it briefly. Sure. I did, too. It's a long one. Did God, that mission is so long. But did, did, Okay, are you playing the legendary campaign? No, I, I did the regular campaign. Okay, it's good, it's good to hear that that mission seems long, even on the regular, then, because that first mission probably took me at least 90 minutes to get through, like pushing two hours, mm. maybe, on legendary. It's, I, I don't remember like, exactly how, uh, um, you're talking about the one where you, you wind up on the ship towards the end. Yes. Right? Yeah. Dude, you go everywhere in that thing. Like yeah. that mission just goes and goes. There's like four background changes. Yeah. So like it, it goes for a while. I don't remember exactly how long it took me, but it went for a while. And I don't think I was like responding that much, maybe like three or four wipes total. Okay. Oh yeah. I was doing more than that per encounter basically okay that legendary campaign is not easy no i i I decided i was i did not want to that's not how i wanted to spend my time though when you hover over and it's like oh these legendaries that are supposed to drop yeah so you get i mean it's 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 the first time they've done this it's kind of a cool idea like you do i think there is one uh, see there is one exotic you get for beating it on legendary and that may be in the unique exotic i'm not sure if there's any other way to get that but the bigger thing for me is well two things a, those story campaigns have just been a cakewalk, I feel like, for the last two expansions. Mm-hmm. Like, they're just not that interesting. I just kind of shoot through the encounters, and I'm done, and I'm like, all right, cool, I guess. Um, so, like, making it harder is appealing just to, like, kind of give it some stakes. The bigger thing, though, is if you beat that campaign on Legendary, there's no grind. Oh, like, okay, after they you're done. You, they, they give you a set of gear that is at the soft cap for the level curve. Oh, okay. At the end of the campaign. Okay. So, like... The thing you did in the previous expansions where it's like, okay, I finished the story campaign. 
now I got to go play a bunch of Gambit and yeah, run yeah, a bunch of strikes yeah. and do my Crucible weeklies to right. continue grinding gear so I can go do the actual stuff I want to do. Like they, they cut that out. So like you're basically playing the story missions on a pretty hard difficulty. Okay. In exchange for not having to grind repetitive activities after, which okay. is super appealing to me. Like that said, I finally finished that mission and got to the new hub where all the quest givers are and saw all the quest giver icons and exited the game. <laughs> uh, <so> okay. <laughs> yeah. I, again, there are some pretty big, pretty good games out right now. And like, I may go back to this at some point. Gotta get in there before finish, that season's over. Finish that story campaign. I kind of would like to see where it goes, but not at the expense of playing Horizon and Elden Ring. Also, uh, I'll mention it here again. Boy, they're doing, um, if you haven't been in Destiny in a while or Destiny 2 in a while, you got some stuff to discover in your character loadout and class because they. Oh my god, dude! Have, I, I don't even know if we should get into it. That like the the, the subclass th- th- the sub subclass three stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's nice to see. Yeah. Because I felt like the subclass stuff had gotten pretty stale, and I guess now that I think about it, the darkness subclass from the last expansion was heading in this direction. Mm-hmm. But holy shit, man! I don't know what what do you play a titan? No, uh, warlock. Oh, you're also Warlock. Yeah. Okay, so I don't, I don't know if it's the Void subclass for every class that they did this to, but it's only the Void on the Warlock. But holy shit, man. I don't even remember the names of all these things. There are slots for, like... Yeah. Help me out here. There's I, artifacts. I, dude, I don't... There's, like, at least three or four, like, different... Like, there are slots for, like... There's, like, artifacts. I'm making up words here. Aspects. Yeah. Trinkets. <laughs> talismans. I don't know, but, like... Some of that was in last season, too, or the last yeah, one, that, but, that's, like... That's what, I, that's what I mean with the darkness stuff. They were dabbling with that yeah. here, but, it, but now there's just so much stuff to learn and fill out. I mean, like, you can mouse over it all and figure it out quickly enough, and it's, like... It is nice to have more customization in your in your class abilities, for sure. Yeah. But, but it's, it's a lot. lot. And I mean, it's just, it, but to me, the scary thing is like, oh my gosh, this is a lot more stuff as a quest reward, right? Now they're going to be mm-hmm. like, oh, you got, you got do this for the super aspect. And I was like, I used to get a gun. Now I just got an aspect. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a lot. Um, Yeah. It's a lot. Uh, Destiny 2, Witch Queen, pricing. Pricing also, figure out, just look on whatever you got because man, the pricing yeah. is just all over the place. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's 40 bucks for the base expansion. But. Yeah. Depending where you're coming in. Um, all right. We're going to take another break and we're going to come back and hit the news. So uh, stick around. We'll be right back. This week's show is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Alex Navarro, Brad Shoemaker. You're not going to walk out of the house naked, right? Not if I can help it. You're going to put your VPN on first. Yeah, of course. Of course. One leg at a time, like I always do. (laughs) ExpressVPN is the easiest way to browse safely, securely, and just better. I just used ExpressVPN. I was away on a trip. I've had ExpressVPN for a couple of years here. When I got on that hotel Wi-Fi, I slipped right into ExpressVPN. One click, very easy. Get in there, and then I was able to access the internet let's say what what are you doing on that vacation there i was i had to access my github account Uh and i was doing some coding and then sure i used my express vpn and then vpn into my home computer likely story Uh uh-huh and then uh i watched uh you know i watched uh some videos uh you know and it's fast they all say it's got great speeds it was connected very easily i was even able to stream in hd problemless on the hotel Wi-Fi and they didn't know they didn't know a damn thing 
says here you can connect to ExpressVPN and you won't even realize you have it on, which I can vouch for. It's pretty seamless. So right now, go to expressvpn.com slash nextlander and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash nextlander to get three extra months of ExpressVPN. expressvpn.com slash nextlander. Thanks, ExpressVPN. And we're back, and it is time for the news. Well, I don't think... Well, well indeed. There well, is no way to pivot into this one, so we might as well just do it. Everyone is aware of the news going on in the world outside of video yeah. games with yes, uh, since, R- Russia invading yes, Ukraine. Yes, yes, yes since, since, since the last week's show, the shocking despicable <laughs> violation of Ukraine sovereignty has, has begun. Uh, the invasion is ongoing there. Of course, uh, I guess since we talk about video games around here, we will talk about the downstream video game related effects of that. Uh, for example, yay is I'm kind of like surprised to see this. Maybe Alex has got more insight into this than I do. EA is pulling the Russian teams from all of its sports games. Yeah. And I, and I wonder that's primarily FIFA and NHL. Yes, those are the two where the, that would that would be a factor. So in that particular case, is that them following the lead of the relevant leagues there? So I have not kept fully abreast of what every international sports league is doing, but my understanding is that FIFA, I think, has excised the Russian national team from their uh, their like current competition, and. You're seeing it in other places too, like you know Eurovision just decided that like yes. Russia was no longer going to be able to participate uh, after yeah. like the first day after the invasion. They were like, uh, I don't know, and then they decided to go ahead with it. Yeah. Also, I like Chelsea, one of the big UK football clubs, is owned by a Russian oligarch, mm. and he's been he's being called on to divest himself of that team and so forth. Uh, you will find that a great number of sports teams throughout the world at least have some Russian billionaire money if they are not owned outright by someone from that class. Yeah. But yeah, like I, so the thing I am unclear on is what impact this actually has, which is not to say that they should not do it. I, I mean, there, there may in fact actually be financial considerations in this that may have some impact in a sort of like lightweight sanctions kind of way. And I'm not, and again, I'm not saying they shouldn't do it. I just, I don't know what a move like this actually does other than signal, hey, we think this Ukraine invasion is bad, which it is, and they should do that. Well, it's I just, it's a straight, it's just, I, it feels like a gesture more than anything else. It's a, it's definitely a yeah. symbolic move. Yeah. But um, I think it's an awareness thing too. You know, I think we live in a world where media is filtered so much, some stuff doesn't penetrate. And I, I think the more, the more visible it is that, Hey, this is a, I think Brad, you said this is a despicable act that is kind of reverberating where there's solidarity behind the people of Ukraine and against Russia. I think the more of that as a united front that the world shows, even if it is, I mean, this kind of dovetails into the next story here too, but the more of that, um, that people are asking for video games are worldwide. A lot of people might not be checking the news, but they might be playing FIFA, uh, or they might be behind some kind of media curtain where they might be wondering why these teams are not in there and have to have to find out, have to face yeah. those things because of, you know, something not being in FIFA, as silly as that sounds. 
Yes, I mean, I can definitely say having having a couple of Ukrainian friends, or in one case, someone with ties to Ukraine, like every every expression of solidarity helps in their case. Fair enough. Yeah, like, yeah, they definitely appreciate anything they can get at this point. Um, and I think this next story also kind of uh, exemplifies some of that. Yeah, like the yes, the the deputy prime minister. Well, so they the the, gov- the Ukrainian government put out a call to just kind of video game companies generally. Right. Yes. Like the tweet, uh, the 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 deputy prime minister of Ukraine tweeted it at the Xbox and PlayStation accounts uh, on Twitter, but the the actual letter. Let me pull that letter up again. Yeah, the actual letter is literally just addressed to to, to all game development companies and esports platforms, like essentially calling on anybody, any video game company doing business in Russia to suspend that business. Um, and you're seeing that across other entertainment mediums as well. Like, uh, I think someone like there was definitely a push to be like, you know, Disney should not put out any more of their movies in Russian movie theaters until this is settled. And I think they actually more or less said that they were in fact going to pull some of their, their upcoming release calendar oh, yeah, from, yeah. from yes. Russian movie theaters. Like ton, tons of companies have suspended exports, all kinds of stuff across the board. Of, of course, as is always the case, like the, the least fortunate on both sides of this conflict will be the ones who bear the brunt of all of this stuff. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's pretty obvious from protests and stuff that there are quite a few Russians who do not support this action in any way. I'd say it's, it seems like it's a pretty significant portion of the Russian population. It's just unfortunately, you know, the the way that things are structured in Russia right now, like at that level of dissent is more or less illegal. Right. Yeah. Yes, but also again, they will be the ones to bear the brunt of the economic consequences of these sanctions as well. Yeah, like, like you were seeing the photos going around of like you know payment systems no longer working at like the metro stations in Russia, so people were like having to pay with cash to you know in in essentially jamming up their entire public transit system because right. just, you, know, like, you know those systems don't work there anymore. Massive devaluation of their currency and yeah. so forth. Right, uh, and it's not like they just go in the next election and vote somebody else in. Right. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a uh, uh, but it's, I, but I I think. I think some of this stuff as as much of a gesture as it is, I think you know hopefully just airs a or lends an air to hey this this is clearly a united thing that we can all say like like you know yeah fuck fuck off yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 like i mean is is this going to make any material difference at all in conditions on the ground in ukraine absolutely not but is it nothing no like it's not yeah. it's not nothing it's not gonna yeah. you know it's not gonna move the needle but it is something um uh, yeah. i just yeah yeah i think my my concern sometimes just boils over into our gestures like this going to intensify sort of like a more generalized russophobia or sort of like you know dis like disdain toward russians in general as opposed to the political yeah. and and billionaire class there that are driving this this fucking war crime forward that's why i i made a point of mentioning there are plenty of everyday russians yeah. who, like i have a friend in russia who very much is not in favor of anything that is happening right yeah. now yes um well that will <laughs> clearly be an ongoing uh, yeah uh it ain't. It certainly isn't looking like it's going to be over in the near future. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but it has been hard to think about anything else since since this started. I, very, I very much so. What video game time I have managed to get in has really just been in the margins between the thinking about everything being fuck time that I've been spending a lot more time with. Yeah, just like unconscious. Yeah, like it's just really. Um. 
Well, I don't know how to move on to another story. Speaking of unconscionable, no. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't go unconscionable, uh, but like this is I definitely mean, not happy news. Like Alex definitely has got strong feelings about about this uh, epic bot band camp, I guess, today. Yeah, they announced, announced it today. today. That was announced right before we started recording. Bandcamp being the kind of open platform for musicians to recording artists to sell their own stuff. Yeah. They're not the like only... Kind of, sorry, go it's ahead. It's kind of the one, right? Like, it's kind of the go-to for, like, art, like recording artists. I keep saying that, you know, just musicians, people selling audio, essentially. Like, yeah. Musical artists kind of in the, one form or another. Like, it's kind of the one that tr- basically treats them the best, right? Or, like, kind of takes the most... Generous cut, I yeah. guess I would say. Yeah, it's so SoundCloud does still exist, but it is far less used by bands and labels than it is like individuals who just kind of want to host their stuff because their system is not as good. And also, like, I think there's there's like some subscription stuff that's sort of built into SoundCloud, which Bandcamp does not have. But yeah, Bandcamp's whole thing, uh, at least in, in the years that I've been aware of it, has very much been we have a very generous cut for artists in general. I think in the in this blog post they say the average is something like eighty two percent payout for artists, and then they do Bandcamp Fridays, which a hundred percent of the proceeds go to uh, to artists once a month. And you know it's a decent platform. It ha- it hosts a ton of labels, indie artists, you know, a variety of of, of different musical artists. And I, you know, I should just say at the top, I you know, I have a band that is on Bandcamp that uses Bandcamp. Obviously, we're not making a great deal of money from it. It does not. My livelihood does not depend on it. So my my perspective on this is not coming from that angle but so Bandcamp was i think kind of and maybe maybe still is hopefully for the foreseeable future kind of one of the last bastions of you know a marketplace that is artist friendly in the way that like stuff just isn't for the most part anymore like you can kind of point to like an itch.io that i think is in a very similar place and similar design where it's really just kind of like the creators are the only reason this exists therefore we are to, they, we exist to try and make this the easiest process possible and most beneficial process possible for the artists but like epic is not in my mind the worst company that could have done this they are not like the most destructive entity that could have come in and done this but the problem is that any corporate entity that came in and did this is inherently going to disrupt a thing that people were very attached to. Hmm. And whatever gestures they're making, whatever overtures they're making about, you know, we're not going to get rid of Bandcamp Fridays, or, you know, Bandcamp Editorial is going to stick around. That's all well and good. But there is also a quote, you know, for like someone on there, like they had a bunch of quotes from people who use Bandcamp. It's like, you know, why, why they love the service or whatever. And there's literally one that was on their website that said, I keep waiting for some corporate entity to come in and buy them out. And, you know, it just hasn't happened yet. And I mean, they're going to have to take that off the web page here uh, in the near future because yeah, because that's the attitude around it. Right. Like it is it is kind of evocative of that old 90s anti sellout punk culture, which was, you know, the. You know, you're either doing this for the fans or you're doing this to make money. And there is a hard line drawn between those two things, you know, to the point where when bands cross that line, some of the more zealot, zealotrous people of that scene would literally go out and protest those shows and then those bands afterward. And I'm not saying this is going to get to that level, but like the outcry and the, I think the outpouring of anxiety and dismay over this is the feeling that like 
here is a company coming in and swallowing up one of the last things that kind of felt like genuinely independent, especially in the music space, mm-hmm. let alone just the online artist space. And I think that's fair. I, I like, yeah. uh, uh, you know, Epic might not be the most <laughs> surface level. Um, what's what's a good way to put it? Antagonizing force mm-hmm. body, like 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 a, they're not a true villain currently. Like who knows what happens behind the scenes? But they are monstrous. Like they are big. Yeah. They are they are a, like a force to be reckoned with. Gargantuan, you mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they're. You just, might call them epic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they there's they are. <laughs> Would you, would you say they are epic mega big? They are super. Shh, absolutely. Yeah. They're, they're mega games are, are just uh, like Fortnite are just very big. Yeah. Like they are. Yeah. yeah. So Unreal and Fortnite are two of the biggest things you're going to find in video games, period. So like it's, it's not like a smaller company bought Bandcamp. It's epic, which yeah. is yeah. gigantic. Like I said, it's monstrous. They're big. They're like. I don't mean monstrous and evil, but like maybe I don't know. I don't really know. Too yeah, much we don't it. really know. But I mean, if you ask Apple, they're probably monstrous and evil. Like you know, but you know, s- Apple's one to talk. Yeah. So maybe app, maybe Epic's like, hey, we're gonna take Bandcamp and we're gonna cha- we're trying to challenge Apple at every avenue we can. So we're gonna turn Bandcamp into the iTunes of you know, po- we're gonna become a podcast uh, 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 central and we're gonna turn Bandcamp into that. I don't know. Uh, that's just pure speculation. But like, Epic clearly wants something from this. Yeah, and they uh, what, uh, that's, I think, the thing we need to tease out is exactly how they plan on applying the epicness of their company to whatever Bandcamp does, because right now you look at what they're like, what 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 Epic has and what this would potentially do for them. There are things you can conceptualize, like aspects of their sort of, you know, their their musical, uh, you know, like if not their musical catalog, then certainly just their avenues to music that they could probably apply to their various Fortnite initiatives. Um, I get, I've I've seen some talk about like you know like Bandcamp was at one point looking at like online ticketing systems for mm. uh you know for like concerts or like be people to be able to perform and watch online performances since you know obviously live music is still not a hundred percent back. I don't know if that factors into their thinking. That's I think that's the thing I'm having the hardest time with is like figuring out exactly what their thinking is and what where this fits in. And my mind immediately goes to the darker places because you look at what Epic is, they have like what, 40% ownership by Tencent, Tencent a company that also invests heavily in Spotify and other major record labels. Uh is it that big? I don't remember it's sure. that high, but it's it's definitely like a significant percentage. It's a decent chunk. Oh, yeah, actually, it is. It is 40%, yeah. Yes, 40, yes. And, Um, you know, I mean, look, obviously, Tencent is an enormous corporation, and they have many different divisions and different holdings, and not all those things are necessarily tied to one another. But, you know, it's it it feels like the beginning of something that could become troubling. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) to be fair, like, Tim Sweeney is still the the majority shareholder. Yeah. So... There's yeah, forty percent is not majority of. There's, there's still only so much they can do while that remains the case. I don't know. It's tempting, but yes, it is tempting to look at this and and say like, how? What are they gonna? How are they gonna integrate Bandcamp into the Epic Store? Like, what are they? How, when is the Bandcamp kiosk in Fortnite gonna show up? But oh, like, yeah. I don't know if this does feed into any larger video game strategy for them. So much as like maybe they're just trying to diversify their business because like. I, 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 I'm quite sure there are people there that know the Fortnite gravy train will not last forever. Yeah. And like, you know, Unreal Engine is getting bigger and bigger in TV and film production. Like it's becoming a, you know, an onset film tool 
as much as it is a video game thing at this point. So, like, maybe they are just trying to get into other markets. I don't know. Like, this entire blog post from the Bandcamp people just keeps talking about how Epic are champions for a fair and open internet. Like, there are no, there's no talk about, like, here's how we're going to integrate into their business strategy. It is, like, it's essentially saying, like, hey, Tim Sweeney's got very strong opinions about Walt Gardens, even though they're building their own. Yeah. Uh, and, like, they seem to like that aspect. I don't know. Also, you should mention real fast, there are a ton of video game composers on Bandcamp. Like, Yes, there are. Most of them, I think, at this point, sell their stuff on Bandcamp. Like, that is a... Um, like, Steam has gotten pretty big about selling soundtracks for games, but... But it is nowhere Bandcamp, near the same ecosystem. Bandcamp is a huge distribution point for video game composers to sell their music, so... If if this all comes together and nothing really changes and Bandcamp continues on and you know the artists you know really don't see any any impact in how they work with the platform, then I will very gladly eat my words on this one. I, yeah, I don't just... want bad stuff to happen here. But looking at this just from the top down level of how this always seems to go when companies come in and buy things like this, mm-hmm. I feel like there is a countdown. So something always changes after an acquisition. Yeah. Like there's no way for it not to. Nothing changes in year one. Not too right. much. Actually, nothing. Not too much changes in year one. Yeah. Something always changes. Yeah. Yes. Uh. So yeah. I. I mean, otherwise, otherwise, nobody's nobody's selling and nobody's buying. Yeah. That's that's the kind of the point. Yeah. Um. All right. S- speaking of nothing changes in year one. Uh huh. Yes. How about in year? two or three definitely stuff changes in year two or three how about in year two or three microsoft lets obsidian and bethesda start saying the words fallout new vegas 2 sure you can say whatever you my want. god that's, apparently that's all that has happened so far according to internet video gamesman jeff grubb uh-huh like apparently that's as far as it has gone is that people inside of i started to say inside of those companies but it's really all just one company now mm-hmm. those divisions uh, Yes, those divisions of Microsoft who would be in a position to make a new Fallout New Vegas apparently are starting to say those words. New Vegas uh, 2? New Vegas 2. It's about all, all right. we can say here other than it would be like years away if this is even happening. I mean, like Obsidian has got plenty of stuff going on already. Like they're still doing uh, they're still doing Grounded, that Honey, I Shrunk the Kids oh, like multiplayer yeah, yeah. survival backyard yeah. game. Like they've got Avowed going, which seems like it's essentially a new... Elder Scrolls, except not hmm. the game. Anyway, they've got irons in the fire already. Who knows how far off a Fallout New Vegas would be. I wonder how those independent those teams are all now. You know, I wonder like Starfield pull in resources and push and pull. Uh, I mean, the story out of Bethesda, even before the Microsoft acquisition, was that like all of their studios were contributing to the BGS games at okay. this point. Like they were so big at this point. That I would kinda, imagine they're just like... Yeah, like starting to adopt the Ubisoft model to some degree. Um, I don't know. This is mostly my chance to say I've still never played Fallout New Vegas. Okay, ever like touched it or like played it and bounced I, off? I don't like. I think I loaded it up on Steam one time to see if it worked or not. I think that might be it. the last one I enjoyed. Uh, I mean, I think that's you know, the last one a lot of people enjoyed. It is, it is like to call it a fan favorite is a massive okay. understatement. I would say it is like it is revered as an all time classic by a whole lot of people. Uh, I will say this, uh-huh. I ended up on a wiki the other night, uh, reading through all of the logs, the text logs written by the survivor from the new Vegas, uh, DLC, honest hearts. Okay. I don't know if anybody, people who have played it will know who I'm talking about. Like somebody just 
God, I did the same thing with Horizon. What the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> why am I sitting around? You want to read the lore? Why am I sitting around reading texts like lore dumps from video games on the internet all day? Uh, but that is some of the most haunting shit I have seen in incidental video game collectible mm. writing, probably ever. Okay. Like I, I, I will send you guys the link if you want it. I think I played that quest, but I don't want to say too much about it. But I. We it's talk DLC. To you after the podcast. Yeah. Honest, honest hearts. It's yeah. not. It's not even a character in the game. It's literally just text logs from, you know, decades it's, it's ago that you find. Deal, like a, like a, a um, no. This is this rifter? is just a guy's. This is a guy's account of living through the nuclear apocalypse. Oh, and, okay. And okay. what happened over the decades after? But okay. like, it's just incredibly great affecting stuff. So if that's the quality of writing in <laughs> Fallout New Vegas, I get it. Hmm. Anyway. Um, well, how about some other stuff? How about some other twos? Maybe a three, maybe a seven. Oh, yeah. This is like, okay, 60 seconds here. Capcom uh, is doing next-gen upgrades of Resident Evil's 2 and 3 remake and Resident <laughs> Evil 7. Okay. And they're and they're going to be extremely expensive. Free upgrades for existing owners. <sighs> I assume, you know, they'll sell them as new games for people who don't sure. own them already. But... That's cool. That Resident Evil 2 remake is a, is a modern classic. Hell of a say. thing. Resident Evil 7, also pretty good. Resident Evil 3. Is still, Resident Evil 3. Uh, I would uh, be down to give it another shot once this patch comes out. It didn't grab me the way that RE2 did. Uh, so yeah, but, the, you get them on uh, PS5, Xbox, uh, yes. Series X and S, and PC. We'll get all yeah, the PC, PC also getting this upgrade. I don't think there's a lot of details about what exactly is changing yet. Hmm. Especially because, like, I actually fired up RE2 on the Series X, like, a month ago. Like, it still looks and runs real damn good, <laughs> even the original version. So, yeah, I'm excited to see what they do with that. I wonder if those are, like, we're working on our next game, and we figured out, we have some engine. Like, it's all the same engine. Is, we have some engine upgrades, and, like, we'll roll it back in. Stuff like that. that is entirely possible, because, yeah, they do have their own in-house engine, the RE engine, in yeah. fact, for all those games. So, yeah, they could be... Kind of backporting some engine advancements there. Revisiting. Yes. RE. That's that's exciting. I'm glad those games are good. It's always nice when you get a nice free upgrade, like visually. Yeah. Um okay. Uh TGS is gonna have a, a an actual physical space to have dude, people come in and touch things. Dude, they're doing TGS this year. Wow. They are having an actual TGS. Makuhari like, Messe, the whole the whole thing. We've been there. We've done it. They're doing it again. Okay. Like I think even like COVID notwithstanding, like Okay. Like uh like is it time to go back and have a game show? Like we'll even see. with the health of the world like as an aside thing? Yeah. Let alone whether like video game in person trade shows are necessary anymore or not. That's what I'm saying. Like, is there's that like is, a, there's like five questions that need to be answered to justify this? But yeah, I mean, if you told me the last one of these to still be, you know, holding down that no, we need to have an in person event thing was TGS, I would certainly believe you because that yeah. feels like the kind of you know just that that when that thing dies, there will never be another video game live event that is not PAX again. But. Yeah. But I, I I don't know if I can say COVID notwithstanding because I feel like as much as you know our country has tried to move on, COVID is still very much withstanding. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying like ignore COVID. I'm saying yeah. even if COVID were off the table, yeah, yeah. like it do is TGS TGS to me was was an important show 
when localized game distribution right. was a bigger thing. And but these days, there isn't as much of that. As everything kind of became day and date a worldwide release, and everything, and, and studios kind of started, um, you know, becoming international studios, TGS kind of, as it, unless, unless this is a, a bigger international event, like localized Japanese game development. You know, it it's just still there. More, it, it does just, happen, yeah, but it it's not at the more scale worldwide. it used to be. Yeah, and yeah, it became more worldwide. It's not like, hey, this is going to come out in Japan, and then a year later, this is going to come out for the majority of stuff. You know, stuff yeah. still happens there. Like the the bellwether for me was they stopped region locking games. Like that's not yeah. even a thing anymore. <laughs> right, right. So like, I wonder if TGS becomes a bigger international draw. Of, Maybe you know, like, hey, we're showing we're showcasing games that are you know going to be released worldwide and not you know majority games that are going to be released in this territory first and then brought outside. Yeah. Uh, so I wonder the, the half the reason to even talk about the story is that the tagline for TGS 2022 is nothing stops gaming, <laughs> which maybe a little uh, on the nose. Maybe Tell a little me. forceful. <laughs> mm. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. You know, does it feel any, good? Any other era I would get where they were coming from. Yeah. I mean, I, it sounds like they are, um, they're still going to be limiting access. It's not like, it's not like all, all, um, you know, all restrictions off. I don't think they're letting kids in there. Okay. They're, they're not letting, uh, they're doing limited tickets. It's not like a full on, just the gates are open. So Uh, this is them testing the waters to see like what the appetite is for it. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, I think when it was one of the quotes here, sorry, let me find it. Um, Elementary school students and younger children will be barred from the event due to uncertainties of vaccination status among young people. Uh, limited number of tickets will be sold in line with local government policies on COVID-19. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so they're not trying to like leapfrog the current COVID situation. If anything, it seems like they are just trying to test the waters to see if they can even do this. Yeah. I, you know, like just kind of piggybacking on this um, over here in New Jersey, there have been like liftings of uh, certain COVID restrictions and it's hard. It's hard to, to adjust back to be like, even even if the um, the COVID rates in my area have gone down a lot, it's hard to see people without masks on in, in indoors and stuff. I it's think just, if we start getting to a point where it's zero cases a day, then I'll say, all right, maybe I don't need to wear a mask everywhere. Yeah. But uh, until that happens, I'm just gonna keep doing yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just weird. Like I was talking to my wife about it, but like when do we, when, like having that conversation? When do we feel comfortable not wearing a mask? And it's like, geez, I don't. I'm not sure. I don't know, but it's, you know, they lifted indoor mask restrictions for a lot of stuff. And I think the schools are going to have optional. I don't know what my district's going to do. Um, but you know, I think New York is also getting rid of, uh, yes, they are. They're removing some mask requirements and I think they're removing some, uh, like proof of vaccination requirements. Yeah. It's weird. It's, it's a weird thing to come back from not the least of which is because the whole thing has been horribly politicized in, in, in really very silly ways. Yes, um, but not funny ways. That's exactly. Know the difference between silly and funny. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, okay. And boy, just, I don't know. Know the difference between silly and funny. Alex, you want to take this WWE story? So WWE 2K22 is almost out. Uh, I think they have announced the full roster at this point, which uh, you may be surprised to learn. A whole lot of wrestlers. That's kind of been the thing with these games lately is just here is a volume of people that you cannot deny. 
Um, but somewhere around the 20% mark of those people are no longer working with the company. And I'm not just talking about like old wrestlers that have legend contracts or uh, who have died. I am speaking of people who have been laid off in the last uh, year to 18 months since the last game. Yeah, and credit to uh, credit to Video Games Chronicle for taking this gigantic list and doing the work here of straight up crossing names off in a slightly ominous or, or morbid fashion. Yeah, I mean, like, in 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 none of these cases, you know, it's not people that have have died. It's people that have oh, been, know, been fired like, or let go. And like, dude, what is what is going on with? Like, what the hell's going on with wrestling? So it's not so much the things that are going on with wrestling and things that are going on with WWE. Well, that's what I mean. Yes. Um, yeah. So the the short version of this is that uh, over the last, I'm going to say, year and a half, uh, a new, I forget if he's president or CEO or what, but it's it's a uh, it's an ex ESPN executive that came in, and he has essentially become a hatchet man. Um, he there, the, no matter how many allusions to them not wanting to sell the company, they seem to make it. It seems very clear that they are trying to financially position themselves in a, in a place where they are more easily saleable. Huh. But so they have had multiple rounds of heavy layoffs, including a huge chunk of their developmental roster, um, a number of you know mainstay mid card wrestlers, and you know even a couple of people who were very very popular. Some of which were in the middle of like a push. Like they were like on TV, they were getting built up, and then suddenly they were just like, "You're out." And so a lot of this seems like they were just cutting overhead. They did have a huge roster. They had expanded all over the place. They had a UK division. They they were expanding into Asia in ways that it seems like they have maybe put the brakes on a little bit. But they they at some point someone decided that they needed to not have all these wrestlers, and they cut. To, basically, they went in with the least amount of sentimentality they could around this stuff. So, yeah, something like 35 wrestlers, I think, that are on this in this video game are no longer with the company. And to be fair, they have to do these roster locks pretty early. That's fair. Yeah. And I'm actually surprised there aren't more. And I think because the game did get delayed so many times, they were probably able to to pivot on some of those names that would have potentially been in there. Oh, they got Samoa Joe. Yeah. Samoa Joe's out. Man. He was one of the bigger ones. Like a lot of these, a lot of these folks were people that were just were not being used heavily on television, but some of them were, and you know, or at least they were in roles that were fairly prominent. So there are a hundred <laughs> wrestlers in this game, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you there look on the list, talent. there's there's a whole lot of kind of retired or even no longer living. Hmm. Yeah, they they go heavy. They've been going heavy on the legends since like all the way back to like 2014, 2015. Yeah. So Andre the Giant. Yep. Oh, for example. Um, man, there's some. There's always something going on with WWE, isn't there? Yes, there <laughs> is. And right, it, the the news uh, with that company has not been good for a long time. But the last year and change has been like real brutal. And is, is some, there? I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Is there a specific reason they're trying to sell? Like Vince McMahon struck me as the type of person who would like defiantly want to do it his way until he dies. Which maybe that's why he's trying to sell because he's. He's still doing, he's still very much do okay, creatively, he's still very much doing things his way. Um, the short, not if like, cause I, this would take me hours to explain everything, but like, the short version is their developmental product became very popular under the, the guise of Triple H, uh, and, you know, like some other people in the company that were kind of affiliated with him. Uh, 
that always, I think, sat a little weird with Vince and sort of like the other higher ups where like he was not very happy that like, you know, this developmental product was doing better than their main two shows. And when AEW started to bubble up and like gain more popularity, his one of his first moves was we're going to move the NXT show to go directly against uh, Dynamite, AEW Dynamite. And it was not the drubbing they were expecting. Like they wanted NXT to come in and prove that they were, you know, still the big dick in town and like just, you know, to, to prove that like, hey, our product is always going to be superior. But like. It was a genuine ratings battle, and they weren't winning it as often as they wanted. And so they ended up moving NXT to another night. Then this guy came in, and they started gutting, and I think they realized that, like, I think AEW is legitimately, if not a overall business threat to them, because they are still, like, in terms of revenue, like, majorly outgrossing most of what AEW does. Like, they just work on different scales. But the hearts and minds aspect of it has very much shifted toward AEW and the indies and other promotions. And I think at this point, their mentality is, well, if we can't do this our way, then we're just going to fucking stamp our feet. And if someone wants to buy this out from under us and, you know, do their own thing, whatever, I'm at least going to get rich in the deal. That's my perspective on it. I, I'm not I don't have any inside knowledge on this stuff. And I, I don't even really listen to like wrestling media or podcasts. So I don't know what they're saying about this stuff. That's just been my vibe on this. Vince going to Vince is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. McMahon. Yep. <laughs> He's an old man. He's a very old man. He's an old McMahon. Yeah. Um. All right. I think that's going to wrap up the news for this week. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the show. Thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for supporting us here at Nextlander. You can support us by going over to patreon.com slash Nextlander, finding a tier that is right for you. There's, I was going to make a tears for fear joke mm. because they were in the news recently, but I can Unfortunately, that's how you get to an everybody wants to rule the world joke. And I think uh-huh. now is not the time for that. What, no. what, happened, what happened with Tears for Fears? I they actually just put out a new album recently, new album. I think. Oh, yeah. yeah that's, you know what? That's that's a pretty benign reason to be back in the news. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Right. Thankfully. Out of all the things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, find a tier that's right for you. And uh, one of our tiers there, the Mysterious Benefactor tiers. Get a special shout out on this here show, and I am prepared to read these names, and I'm going to do that right now. Starting with Bacon Monk, Tyler Treese, No One, Robert Fisher, Thomas Lynn, James Smith, Peter Reardon, Randy Duax, JM, Nelson LeBlanc, Nick Donegan, Brian Murphy, Vinny's Giant Booga Boogas, Sean Miller, Skywarp, John McInnes, Matthew Herrig, Mark Allenbach, Conrad Kuzmin, Kevin Velado, Statics, Mark Wilhelm, It's Me JP, Rad, <laughs> Jad Rita, Jack Eineker, Chris Barkhurst, John Hubbard, Richard Welsh, aka Hired Noobs, Gary Pejski, Evan Cook, Edward Cheek, Devin Maestro Hall, David Campos, Jerry Lee, Octothorpe Bunny Crimes, Anders Buga, Andrew Jackson, Andrew Slosky, Steve Lynn, Andrew Tiebkin, Aaron Gonzalez Beer. Thank you everyone for your support. 
Thanks to all our mysterious benefactors out there. We couldn't do it without y'all. Everyone here. It's true. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We got a bunch of stuff this week up on the site. More to come in the future. We have uh, uh, um, an Alexy Quest up there. The one on Twitch, the Twitch Archive, got funny. Twitch Archive said that we were still streaming. Uh, 40 hours later. 49 hours later. And then uh, I was going to leave it because the archive was still fine. It was still to our archive. But then when I started streaming the Comfy Crew, it said it was adding another chapter to Alexy Quest. Oh, you're starting a new stream, tacking it on to this one. So I went to unpublish it and tried to republish it. And then I think it got lost in the ether. So if you're like, it's still on YouTube. You can go watch it on YouTube. Uh, I don't know if that thing will fix itself. So apologies if you're looking for it there. Um, <laughs> was a weird thing. Uh, what else is going on? Ramblecast is up this year. Podcast. Uh, tomorrow is a scrap mechanic. That's Thursday. Scrap mechanic. And then Friday, spy hunter. Nowhere to run. Nowhere to run. Nowhere, nowhere to hide. To nowhere to hide. One, one place nowhere to run to, run to run. our Twitch nowhere channel. Nowhere to run. Nowhere to run. Yeah. There's, there's only one place to run. It's our Twitch channel. That's yes. right. You or our YouTube watch. channel. And we could smell what the rock is driving. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in, in Spy Hunter, Nowhere to Run. That's happening on Friday. Catch it. And also, Comfy Crew is up archive. Should be on Twitch and YouTube. You and can. we'll have our Planorama coming, I believe, tomorrow as well. That's right? true. Planorama should be coming tomorrow as well. So keep an eye out for that. Boy, state of the world. Mm. Yeah. Um, I don't know what to say. I don't, is there anything to say? I, mean, I don't think there's anything that a few video game guys really need to say at this point about the state yeah. of the world. Yeah, it's, it's hard bad. to do. It's sometimes it's hard to do a podcast. It's bad uh, when, when when your thoughts are uh, with other people and uh, in another place. But um, thanks for joining us here. Uh, thanks for spending some time with us. And uh, hope everyone out there is doing the best they can. Uh, tune in next week. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Benny. Thank you, Brad. Thank you. And we'll be back next week.